everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Status Alternative Podcast. My name is Brittany. Uh, we are back once again for a new episode. Happy Black History Month, by the way. Whoop, whoop. Yep, so the whoop, whoop, obviously, Carrie is back. I'm back again. Yep, my <laughs> rotating co-host. So on today's episode, going along with the other previous two episodes I released, like, um, like what was it? the first week and the second week, we are going to be talking about something that I tend to do. Uh, I tend to, whenever there's a new show that gets a lot of hype, I tend to like wait until the hype dies down and then jump on the train because I don't want to be that bandwagon fan. Typical hipster life. And I'm, the same way. I'm the same way. Call me Because I don't like watching stuff when it's a hype either. I want to wait until people stop talking about it so I don't get spoilers. And also, I don't know, people just talking about it all the time just makes me like, why should I watch what you say? Right. <laughs> then I'm like, I'm still going to watch it though. Exactly. <laughs> so with that being said, we are going to be talking about something that is kind of we're going to be talking about something that kind of, like, took the world on fire or captivated the whole entire audience. Drum roll, please. And the show is... We're going to be talking about Lovecraft Country. <laughs> so let's just dive right into it. So one of the first things I wanted to talk about, because this is going to be a lot, because this show... So when I was deciding on finally wanting to watch this, Denzel actually, my brother Denzel... Uh, watched like the first five episodes and then he stopped watching. What did Denzel think? Did he like it or eh? I think he was kind of eh because I think by the fifth episode it kind of lost him and he stopped watching. Yeah. Yeah, because like my original plan was like to binge watch like two episodes because all the episodes are like at least an hour long. So like I decided, and there's only like ten episodes. Yeah. So I decided to like watch two episodes a day leading up to us recording this episode. But the crazy thing was... Was the fact that, like, I did the two, then I skipped the day, so I ended up watching four episodes in one day. Yeah. And then, like, I watched the two, then I watched an episode yesterday, I think Saturday, and then this morning, when I woke up, before I got here, I ended up watching episode 10. Yep. So, I've seen. So, still kind of fresh. We We tried watching, you know, Jackie and I, we only wanted to watch one episode, and it was late late at night. Then we found ourselves four episodes in at, like, three in the morning. Right. So then the next day, we did two episodes, took a break, and mm-hmm. same like a couple more episodes, and bada-bing, bada-boom. Yeah. So, uh, like I said before, we're just going to dive right in. So one of the aspects I wanted to talk about with this show, uh, Atticus's relationship with his father. Yeah. Should we go over the characters, or? Okay. So, in the show. Oh, wait, guys. Major, major. Spoilers. Oh, right, right. I keep forgetting when it comes to sport. But the show's been out for, like, a year now. You just watched it, though. Right. Right. <laughs> right. All right. Spoilers if you haven't watched it. Don't listen to this until after you watch it. Right. It's on HBO Max. That's the only place. It's so good. So, yeah. If you HBO. have, like. Go HBO on. Max is killing it right now. Yeah, because, like, they, they recently released that uh, new Zoe Kravitz. A movie called Kimmy. Oh yeah, people were talking about that. Yeah. So, uh, for some of the characters, we have Atticus Freeman. He's the main protagonist of the series. You also have his father, Montrose Freeman. You have his uncle, George Freeman. His wife, Hippolyta. Um, their daughter, Diana. Um, his uh, childhood best friend, Letty. Letty's sister, older sister, Ruby. Ruby. Uh, you have Christina Braithwaite. You have Samuel Braithwaite, but he's only in like one episode. 
Uh, you also have William in the show. You have uh, Gia. Gia. You have her as well. So Atticus um, has a very complicated relationship with his father. <laughs> so in the first episode, the whole the episode basically kicks off. Um, it's titled Lovecraft Country. Uh, it kicks off with Atticus coming back from Florida uh, to look for his father who went missing. So yeah. the he whole received a letter from him. Yeah, yeah, and he was um, he's a uh, black Korean um, war veteran. Black right? Korean is right. He's Wait. a black. He's a black Korean war vet. veteran that who is black. Yes, <laughs> Atticus Freeman is played by Jonathan Majors. He's so. New York actor, he's really great. Yeah, so that basically kicks off the show. Now, throughout the throughout the episodes, you do start to get into um, you get into the complexities of their relationship. See, Montrose Freeman is uh, is a complicated man. See, you're also the show takes place in like 1955. So, but before I get into this, let me backtrack a little bit more. So, Lovecraft Country is a sci-fi supernatural horror. Um, uh, time traveling, there's magic, but the main protagonist is the Freeman family, who are black Americans living in Chicago, who are also dealing with these, like, type of fantastical adventures, but you're also dealing with it during the Jim Crow era in 1955 America as well. So there's that aspect. Shout out to our hometown, Chicago. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So there are, like, themes of, like, racism and sexism. There's like a little bit of a touch of like classism in a sense. And there's also some ties to like certain events that have happened to black Americans while in this country yeah. as well. So Atticus rela- relationship with his father is very complicated. See Montrose, uh, while Atticus was growing up, um, they, you could definitely say it does cross the lines of like physical abuse. Hey, uh, yeah, the daddy beat the hell out of um, Atticus when he was little. Right, but it's not like, you know, like the whoopings we got, because that's it also... Was beatings. Right. Because he wanted him, supposedly, what, his defense was he wanted, you know, Atticus to be strong. And right. For no one ever, you know, question him being soft. Right. In more than one way. Right, because remember, this is still 1955. This is still like that part in America where black Americans, especially males, especially black males, have to grow up to be strong. They can't be, they can't show signs of weakness. They can't show that, you know, they may be a little bit effeminate. They have to be strong black men to a fault. Yeah, so it's a lot of race, sex, and power dynamics in it. Right. So later on, as the show progresses, um, you start, the audience ends up figuring out or finding out early on that Montrose is actually gay. Montrose is a closeted gay man who's played by Michael K. Williams. May he rest in peace. That man was awesome. <laughs> I love Michael K. Williams. So Michael K. Williams is playing Montrose. He's playing um, a closeted gay man in 1950s America. And so, an alcoholic. And he's an alcoholic too because obviously he has to deal with the trauma because Montrose um, and... Atticus's mother, Dora, and Montrose's brother, who is uh, Atticus's uncle, Uncle George, they were living in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1921 during the Tulsa riots, or as I want to call it the right way, the Tulsa Massacre of 1921. Um, They were victims of that. 
So they ended up moving to Chicago. Atticus's father, um, Montrose, ends up marrying and eventually has a fa- eventually has a son with uh, 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 Atticus's mother, Dora. So they have a kid. Now, one of the aspects that was very interesting. I don't want to jump ahead too much, but it sounds like I am. So, Montro Atticus doesn't find out that Montrose is gay until like I want to say episode episode seven. Yeah, so he finds out. No, he's, no, he's not, an adult. right. Episode five. It's episode five that he finds out that Montrose is gay because it's the day. It because episode three they went to the museum and they find Yahima. So there, there's a lot going on in the show, but eventually Atticus does find out that his father is gay. And the whole reason why is because, and here's a, another quick thing. So in episode, like, I want to say three or two, no, episode three, when Montrose burns the book, the order of the, the book, the order of the ancient dawn, you can see him and he's on the floor and he's hearing all these voices, right? Yeah, what I have some, I definitely, there's some plot holes and I have some questions for you later on. Right. So <laughs> you hear, so here was this, by episode three, I knew, oh, Montrose is gay. Mm-hmm. When he's having flashbacks of his childhood, when they go back to the, the, cause it was supposed to be their prom that they were supposed to go to. You hear yes. one of the voices say, stop all that damn preening in the mirror. And I'm yeah. like, oh, Montrose is gay. And then that's when it clicked for me, like, oh shit. So by episode three, you get the aspect that, you know, because Tree mentions it when they're going to the museum to try and find, like, at least Titus's lost pages in the museum in Boston. And Free, not Free, uh, Tree was like, you know him and Sammy are close. Now, when Atticus first meets Sammy, Sammy is getting fellatio in an alley, and yeah. it's a male. So he's like, no, that can't be it, that can't be it. And then by episode four, that's when Tick ends up realizing, oh shit, my father is gay. Yeah, that was when I was, I figured that too, that he was causing it. Because once he was like, oh, you know, him and Sammy, they're cool. And then, you know, he sees Sammy getting a blowjob from the dude. And I'm like, oh, the dad is, you know. With Sammy. Yeah. With Sammy. And you, it all basically, it all just kind of comes out of the window by episode four because, um, Sam, he, Montrose ends up betraying Atticus by killing Yahima, the only person that they have to like kind of decipher these pages because it's written in this like ancient language that this order came up with. And it's like, oh crap, he then because I get I it. I thought he, that was crazy. I know he was trying to protect Atticus, but I was like, man, he really had a killer though, right? But like, he's an everyday man and he's never killed anyone, before. right? Right. So I thought that was a little odd. But I I get it. It's like the whole you'll do anything to protect your family and everything. So another aspect of their relationship, not only Atticus at an older age finding out that his father has been gay this entire time. Which we know, you know, queerness was definitely a a huge stigma, especially in the black community in the 1950s. Yeah, because when Atticus uh, finds his father during the blackouts, he was like... um, what was it? Montrose was telling him like all the reasons why he had to keep keep it a secret because his pastor, when Montrose Montrose knew at a very young age that he was different and Montrose knew he was also gay, 
But when he saw his pastor was accused of homosexuality. Oh, yeah. And they talked about how, because this was still during the time when they thought, like, doctors back then thought a cure of homosexuality was, like, taking a chunk out of your brain and being lobotomized. Oh, yeah, because they sent they sent the pastor to an, to, asylum. To an asylum. And, yeah, they did the lobotomy. Yeah, that's what kind of yeah. scared him to be like, okay, I got to play it straight. But, yeah. you know, and then, like... Scary back then, man. It, it was. Because, like, you could not be different during that time period. Like, this is, this is like, at least five years... Before the civil rights mm. movement. Even just being yourself and black back then would get you killed. Just right. Just being you. I mean, it was weird enough. Like, I mean, as far as weirdness goes with, like, Atticus and, like, Letty, it's like, you're weird enough for being black and liking sci-fi. Try being black and gay in America. And especially... And then you're still feeling like... You're still feeling like you don't matter in society. And you're still living in the North. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's racist, but it's like they're subtly ab- they're subtle about it, but it's still it's still prevalent. It's still yeah. frightening as all hell. So their relationship by like by the time you get to like I want to say episode like nine, which is the heaviest episode I've seen so far out of that whole entire series. By the time you get to like episode nine, you you finally get that um moment where Atticus finally, you know, comes to understand and accept where his father was coming from. Like, the whole aspect of, like, him witnessing why his father is like this, because he had to deal with the trauma of, like, you know, being physically abused by his father. You know, struggling with his sexuality in this America where he couldn't be who he wanted to be. Jim Crow era. Right, and then on top of that, seeing the guy that he you know, had a crush on Thomas. His first, his first kind of boyfriend. Right. And witnessing him get get shot in the head. Violently. Right. So then they got, yeah, by a a group of, um, of racists and they were kids. They were teenagers. Like, man, that's traumatic. Yeah. So, but that was episode nine. They go back in time, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I actually liked that episode seeing like Atticus is, uh, family mm-hmm. and everything how they protected letty mm-hmm. and everything the grandmother yeah and the grandmother like that was cool the yeah. fact that she found out like she was like oh well, we have to save like my family and letty's like no that changes our whole future all this and you have a grandson and, and i thought yeah. that was cool like wow she was like no i'm gonna set my fate because this is going to save many more of my future family members and more blacks i thought that was cool Exactly. And I, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed, like, just basically seeing how Montrose is doing everything he can right in that moment and during that time period that they're going through all this to, like, be like, look, I have to do some, I've been a shitty father to my only son for the longest. And then, like, once you get to the end where Atticus ends up dying and Mo- and Atticus gives Aunt Hippolyta the letter to give the Montrose saying, look, you have a second chance to be a better father by raising my son. Don't fuck it up, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. So their relationship, of course, starts off rocky. And then you see, like, obviously Montrose trying to be a better example. And I, I really enjoyed, like, watching this, like, father-son kind of, you know, go through their trials and tribulations of, like, trying to trust each other, but also be there for one another. So that was one of the aspects. I like that. Yeah. So another thing 
I want to talk about is um because I'm definitely going to be discussing like of course all the events that happened in the in the events that happened in the show, but also the sort of major character changes when it comes to these characters. So one of the main ones that I found very very interesting, uh, one of the aspects of this that I found very interesting was the choice to change Christina's character into a, a female rather than male. Because in the book, um, Christina's character is actually a male named Caleb, who is Samuel Braithwaite's uh, son. Yeah. And the motivation is pretty much the same. You know, they really don't like, they don't care for their parents. They don't care for their fathers as well. And, you know, obviously Caleb or Christina trying to usurp um her father Mm -hmm. in the whole thing and like kind of kind of being the one to bring about the downfall of the sons of adam in the first episode when they're trying to use tick's blood because spoiler warning tick and christina are actually related they are cousins because of their descendant titus braithwaite who is the leader of the sons of adam this cult-like group of uh sorcerers and warlocks who are trying to bring about uh, a new Eden and take over the world, basically. Yeah, so, you know, they're related because slavery, because of um, Christina's that descendant, you know, basically raped one of the house slaves. And that resulted in, you know, Atticus's bloodline, you know, being mixed with uh, the brave ways. Mm-hmm. So one of the, um, what I've been able to look up and shout out, because I did my, um, like I said before, I was doing my research, uh, screen, the Screen Rant, uh, Screen Rant article by Keith, uh, Dyninger or something like that, his name is Keith, one of the main reasons they decided, I, uh, one of the, um, things he was saying about their choice to change Christina into a male was, like, they were supposed to, like, they were trying to show... Um, the sexism aspect, like the fact that mm. Christina is a female and she's not, they're called the sons of Adam, not the daughters of Adam. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> they were, the reason was to like show like there was a deep-seated, there was a, there was a deeper motivation into changing her from a male to a female because at least she'll have more struggles to go through being the fact that like, you know, I was born a female. The only reason why I'm not allowed to do what it is that I'm allowed to do. Because essentially, you know, she's the daughter yeah. of this character. So she... And she was smarter than a lot of the, all of them. <laughs> they usually are. They usually are. When it comes to characters like Christina, whether they be male or female, they always seem to be smarter than their own parents. And we saw that with her accomplishing the spells that she created and set out, you know, to do. And she's just like, I'm a girl. They won't accept me. Either way, it was just really cool. It was just really cool that she figured out a way to, like, loophole that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that was one of the... That was basically, like, it was just to, like, delve into the aspect that, like, oh, she's a female, so she's not allowed to learn about magic. She's not allowed to embrace um, what she essentially feels like is her birthright. She's not allowed to do it because she is a she. Mm-hmm. So, there's that. So another aspect I want to talk about, I want to talk about how this is kind of like, it's not, to me, it's not an ode to alternative black culture, but it is definitely a representation of alternative black culture because you have these characters who are these well-read characters. Uncle George's favorite book is Dracula by Bram Stoker. Oh my God, I love the books they've talked about. um, Montrose's favorite book is The Count of Monte Cristo. 
like when you first meet Atticus, Atticus is reading, um, uh, uh, what is he reading? He's the one that's, ba he's reading the story that's based off of, uh, John Carter with John, um, the princess of Mars or like something like that. I forget, but it's a sci-fi and they're all sci-fi readers. They're all these like readers of these like, um, books that are like written by essentially white authors. And I read somewhere that the story of Lovecraft Country is basically how you have these characters who are black characters and like being like entertained and amused by this stories. In the 1950s. Exactly. So all these characters are like well read. They're very smart. They just have one thing going against them. They happen to be black in America. Yep. I love though that by them because they're so well read and you know for all the books that they read because i know i had to read a lot of those books when i was like for like my english classes and everything exactly so the fact that they knew even some of my like um ap like advanced placement like english classes george and atticus read them mm -hmm. you know and they were so great like i loved i loved uncle george he was one of my favorite characters because like when they were on the
with everything going on, there is like there every episode is hard hitting. Even in the first episode, just the whole premise of Sundown Town oh, had me man. on. Oh edge. man, I just realized I forgot about man. That was intense. So it was so intense. Like, there's a lot of intense moments going on throughout this show. Like, I like that it was never too heavy. Because I know, like, I like Handmaid's Tale, but, like, man, towards, like, the like the second, third season, like, definitely the third season, like, it's so, it's hard to watch because of how they're being brutalized and, mm-hmm. like, in there. But, like, what I do, like, even though, like, Lovecraft was so intense, it was still an adventure, though. Yeah. A dark adventure, though. Yeah. It made you want to keep watching. Because, like... I gotta say, episode three has to be my favorite. Which one was that? Episode three is when they go to the museum in Boston. Oh, yeah. I like that episode because I was like, oh, snap. It's kind of like a black Indiana Jones episode. Yeah, th- that was one that of the was things so that I looked up. That was one of the aspects I looked up, too, because they were saying how episode three is kind of like an ode to the Goonies and Indiana Jones. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that episode. And one aspect of that episode that I really liked, too, was like in the, in the, in the beginning, uh... <laughs> They were all about to get in the car because this is like, remember, this is three weeks after Uncle George had died. Yeah. And so, of course, Hippolyta is very, very, like, suspicious. Oh, yeah, that's She's suspicious. Like, she doesn't believe that, like, oh, George was just shot by a sheriff and that's why. There's something else happening, too. Right. And then she decides to tag along on the trip. And then (laughs) fucking Atticus is looking at uh, Montrose and is like, get in the car. So they're about to drive off, right? Excuse me. They're about to drive off, and then all of a sudden, Tree comes out of nowhere, and he had a kiss out of nowhere. It's like, man, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and it just sounds so out of character. Like, it legit <laughs> sounded so out of character coming from Jonathan Majors that I had kept rewinding it because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> and then he was like, I got a Philly in Philly. And then Atticus looks in the car and is like... <laughs> he's like looking at his father like did you call him to bring here did you bring him here and then he's like I don't know what you're talking about son I didn't do anything but yeah episode 3 I gotta say is my favorite overall but now I will say this for the if you plan on watching it go right ahead it's still a damn good series but I just gotta say this the ending very anticlimactic I agree especially I agree. especially with what you know going on currently right now because there's not going to be a season two which sucks because yeah. it was going to be i think they were going to call it lovecraft country supremacy Ooh. yeah they were going to call it that and then they were in development for season two when they found out the show got canceled which sucks Dang. and i i really wanted to be a season two because i think that's the reason why that you i, I think that's the reason why because they wanted to leave more for the rest of the series because obviously you know you're gonna go into season two and it has to be like by the time you get to season two you realize oh like Atticus is dead Montrose is obviously gonna help Letty raise their um Montrose is gonna help raise their um son Hippolyta is uh D now has a robotic arm and they Mm. turned her into a killer because she kills Christina yeah (laughs) and now all of all of the white people can't do magic. Like, yeah. they basically... They basically stopped... They basically did the spell where now all white people can't do magic. Black people can do magic. So, when they get to that part, when uh, Letty is hovering over uh, Christina because she's underneath all that rubble, 
the thing that made me, <laughs> the thing that kind of popped in my head when I was watching it, it was like, well, now that gives a whole new meaning to black girl magic. <laughs> Like, legit, it gave a whole new meaning. To, I'm like, shit. It was like, what clever ass, anyway. But yeah, the ending I felt like was just a little anticlimactic, especially with the information you know now. But it was still worth, a sh- it was still worth watching. Yeah. It was very much worth watching. What was creepy to me on the show was when Letty bought that damn Winthrop house. Ooh! That was creepy. Oh, because <laughs> what are your thoughts? You know me. I'm a big supernatural horror fan. I love. If those of you who don't know, I'm a huge fan of supernatural horror because I am a fan of lore. Like any creepiness that is like some unexplained shit, and then you get a backstory to why this was happening. That's why I think I love super. That's why I think I love this show so much. Is because even though. You have one episode dedicated to supernatural horror. There's still like elements of it in this series because it does have a lore. You're trying to figure out like Atticus and both Atticus and Letty had the same dream. Hannah at the doorway with the book of names running out of the house and it's burning. Like you're trying to figure out what does this play on? Who is she? What is going on? And that's one aspect I like. As soon as Letty had that dream, though, with Hannah, I was like, oh, she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew it right away. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, she's pregnant. That's why she's able to see this now. Right. You're right. So, like, the yeah. episode two, man, episode two was just creepy as shit. And it does it does talk about, like, because this, this was parts of history that are confirmed were, like, these white people were expen- experimenting on black people. Yeah, yeah, because like uh, in, in the show, like um, in in the book, Letty receives like a mysterious.
top, amazing shape. And, you know, it's like, well, black people, they have more, to them, they say black people have more physical advantages, right. you know, and so that's why they end up, you know, kidnapping them and putting their consciousness in these black people's bodies. Right. So similar to Lovecraft Country, except they're literally taking their body parts. Because he's Jesus. like, because he, because it was like, after, because this is, when Lancaster dies, this is after they tried getting Letty because... Also, the hell with that guy. It's also, yeah, hell yeah, like screw that dude. He's the reason why D has a robotic arm now. Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah, he, because oh god, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, I don't mm, want to talk about that scene. It was, mm, it was, it was nasty. It was straight up nasty. Like you, you spit in your hand and put it on that poor girl's forehead. What? That's I was, so gross. You know what? I was grossed out too, not because it was a you know a gay sex scene. Well, because you know, between Sammy and uh, Montrose, and he He's did that whole thing, his hand. And he it was like, oh god, it's like, why did that? Right. Oh god, moving okay, on. moving on. on before I start retching. Jesus, it's like, yeah, why, why spit of all things? Anyway, just, yeah. anyway, Lancaster, yeah. Lancaster as a character can go straight to hell. I'm pretty sure he's already there. Uh, because his whole body was just decaying at this point, but yeah. And there was an exorcism in that episode, too. In a, in a way, it was like a house exorcism. Oh, yeah, yeah, with the Creole woman and yeah. then them, and then, fuck, oh, God, that, that episode was crazy as shit. Yeah. That episode was crazy I, as shit. You know what was funny, though, the next episode, because, like, the Creole lady put, like, that, uh, protection spell. Oh, on Lord! And Christina <laughs> bravely. Ass, <laughs> trying to be like, oh, nice place. Let me walk in. Because you know what? I just thought of it right now. Remember in the Salem witch trials, especially in the movie, uh, uh, what was that movie? What was that movie? The movie with Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, the Crucible. Oh, okay, okay. The whole aspect. And then even American Horror Story. Remember, black people, white people didn't know magic until it was black people that taught them magic. Yeah. So with like Tatuba teaching the girls like, like little spells and everything that didn't really do anything. And then especially with like American Horror Story with Coven, the whole feud between the black women and the white women. Yeah. And like Angela Bassett's character said, if it wasn't for us, you wouldn't even know magic. Yeah. So like what's crazy to me, and it just dawned on me, Creo, her being Creo and Caribbean, has a stronger sense of magic mm-hmm. because it's just what white people learned was just second hand. Yeah, they're, like, the Creole, that's more original. Exactly! <laughs> that's exactly! Not, that's the original CD, it's not the mixtape. Right! It's not the remix. So that just dawned on me on that aspect. And then was... when they when they walked into the door, she couldn't go in. And <laughs> then when Lancaster walked into the door, and Ruby's like, oh, that man knows magic! Yeah, they're like, uh... But then Lancaster, man, such a... Uh, he, he, he is a piece of shit. Anyways... The fact that he's like, oh, I see y'all got a little protective spell. All right, bet. Let, guys, get the rifles. Get the right. Rifles. And then they started shooting up that whole entire house. Man. And then Letty's And they just, call black people ghetto. Look. You gonna shoot up a house at night in that white neighborhood. <laughs> exactly. And the black people are the problem. Exactly. And the black people are the problem. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Anyway. Anyway. Moving on to our next one. How did you feel? About the inclusion of these historical traumatic black events, such as Emmett Till's death, uh, the Sundown Towns, the Tulsa Massacre of 1921. Man, the Sundown Town? I didn't, I didn't know. You know what? I feel a little ashamed for saying, but I did not know about that. I, I did. did. Not, I did not know about it. And it's funny because my, um, 
my family, you know, they're originally from Mississippi and they came, my grandparents came to Chicago, you know, to, or, you know, to escape the Jim Crow laws and everything. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know, I didn't know about that. But I believe that I knew where it was. Oh man, that was a real thing. That was so, that was so super scary. Oh, side note, that episode, like, I love that they did that little history, quick lesson when George, Uncle George. They're in the diner. They're in the diner. And he was like, why is the White House white? He's like, well, during the fires, they had the slaves like paint over it, yeah, because it covered the burn marks. Yeah, and then you know on the, on the floor, he had to get some loose tile, and it was burned. Right, and then let it. He's like, we have to get the fuck out of here. Get your ass in the car. <laughs> hey, that's I had to remind him that was funny. When she yeah, 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 yeah. That oh. had me rolling because she was she, man. Letitia is a real one. Man, oh man, she, Letty as a character is she, a real one. She, like she was always on it. She she was a, she was literally like the brawn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny because we saw Atticus and you know him and his muscles, right? And we, we and we were thinking he's gonna be the main one able to fight, shoot these guys. He's a you know Korean. He's the protagonist, guy. right? Yeah, it was really Letty. <laughs> man, Letty, Letty will just. Like as selfish as right as selfish as some of her like earlier portrayals, because you do get the sense that she's very very selfish. You know she's only clouds a bit. Right, right. Yeah. Excuse me, but yeah, going back, like I ended up realizing what she saved them on numerous. Her and Uncle George, (laughs) like Atticus would have been got. We gotta say on the first few episodes he would have been got without Lenny. The episode where they were at the museum. Yeah, man. Because, like, I I was familiar. The only information I got were, like, the or let me rephrase all that. The first time I heard about, like, sundown towns was when I was watching the black, um, it was, a, it's a movie on Netflix. It's, like, a horror anthology, but it's with, like, it, it is a playoff of, like, horror noir, mm-hmm. which was a documentary about, like, black people's inclusion in horror movies. And they got a bunch of like different black actors who do who um talked about like the history of black culture in horror movies. So one of the and then they decided to come out with like the anthology series. It's like like the different movies. And one of the ones was like you had these um two black characters. They they were campaigning. You know they go from door to door. It's like hey, can we get your support on this candidate? And they went to a predominantly white you know, town, it's a very small town, and it's, uh, one of the aspects of it showed, like, the idea of a sundown town, Mm -hmm. and I ended up, like, I didn't research it, but I kind of put two and two together, like, oh, this is one of those towns where, like, black people can't be seen after, like, a certain time period, or time, yeah, uh, dust or dawn, right, dust, dust then, yeah, yeah, Soon as the sun goes down, like y'all gotta be gone. Cause the the aspect of it Man, is real. The aspect of it is terrifying enough. Like just Man, because- it was so scary because he was trailing them. Right. And I was thinking about that, and like it already gave us as viewers anxiety. Now as, as us as black viewers, oh. I was imagine. Oh, because the cop was trailing them. Like, okay, watch if you go one minute over or whatever. Right. And we were like, man, because we're black, we're like imagining that from a real perspective. Like, man, there's black people out there you know that had to actually go through like a cop most likely a white cop trailing them and probably didn't even care that even after it went down and they did make it past the line they probably still did brutalize or kill them right right it was scary it was the whole the the whole idea 
of the fact that just because you're black and you're in this town after dark, they use that as an excuse to kill you. Yeah. Like, that is fucked up. Man. And it happens so often. Man, just the worst excuses. But, um, it, it you know, so to answer your question, yeah, like, I, I, I really, I like that they did show, like, all, like, the racial, like, our trauma. You know, mm-hmm. like, even though, like, they didn't, like, it wasn't, like, you know, enlightening. But I think as a black, like, they didn't, like, they didn't show us, like, you know, they didn't show us, like, because of this, you know, you know, this is, um, here's what we, like, this is how effed up these racist white people were. Mm-hmm. And you know what, for us, we've heard stories, you know, we're black, we've heard stories from our, our family, or uh, school friends or like stuff we just learned on the fly teach ourselves about our own history because america always tries to erase it in the yes. horrors because they don't want people to know how really fucking like demented they are right so you know we knew all of this so i mean watching it on tv i like that they did it in an accurate portrayal yeah they did it in an accurate portrayal because we, we knew what was coming like oh man we know why you know and a small aspect so talking about the the story of Emmett Till happening in 1955 and then them showing like oh Diana knew this kid and they called him Bobo, Bobo. and, that was and then like one. it totally passed over my head because in episode three they call him one of her friends Bobo and I didn't with think the Ouija anything Bo, with the Ouija board they would do they have the Ouija right board. right I didn't notice that either and I, I said, didn't notice it that was him before and then all of a sudden you get to because I'm trying to figure out what's going on and then like. I, I did a little bit of research while I was watching the episode, and then I'm like, oh, this is, oh, this is horrible, this is so horrible. And what was even more horrible is the fact that the old, the lady who did, you know, make the false claim against Emmett Till, you know, admitted that she lied. Right. And she lived to be an old lady and everything. Yeah. I don't know if she passed away a few years ago, or if she's still living as one of them. Right. Either way, homegirl was still alive by, like, tw- like the two... Early 2000s. Because that was recent. 2010s. That was recent. Yeah. Yeah, so. So. And then, I I still got to say, the heaviest, heaviest one has got to be, for me, the Tulsa Massacre. I thought you were going to say that. At first, I thought, oh, are they talking about Black Wall Street? And that was a whole separate thing. Yeah. That was a whole. Do you want to tell the viewers what the Tulsa Massacre really was in 1921? So the Tulsa Massacre of 1921 was essentially the small town in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I want to say, was this, it was a small community of black people just thriving, just minding their own damn business. Then all of a sudden, I think, from what the research I've read was apparently these deputies, these white deputies came to this small town and started destroying everything in that small black town. Just a white American mob, as they put it, came to this town and destroyed and killed a bunch of black people. You know, it's crazy. The first time I did like a cross country trip driving, I drove through Oklahoma and this is before I even knew about the the Tulsa massacres and I drove through it. And it's funny, I drove through Tulsa and I got a whole like eerie vibe from it. Yep. And it's so crazy that after watching the episode, I was like, not well, after watching it, but I knew about it, you know, before, you know, I, I, I realized while watching the episode, like, wow, that's, I forgot. That is why I felt like that uneasy when I was driving through there, you know? Right. Cause because of that history, you know? It's, it's, it is very traumatic 
Because I got to say, when I was watching it, like, when I went to sleep, because I was at my mom's place when I watched it, and I almost damn near started crying, because it was just, they bombed, they had those those planes, and they bombed over this town, and this is happening in America. This wasn't something that happened, like, ten years ago or five years ago. This was a thing that happened in recent American history in 1921. It is 2022 now. But here's the thing. There's people who have old grandmas and grandpas that are still born in 1921 that are still alive. Yes. Like, Jackie's grandma was born in 19, like, 23 or 24, still alive. There you go. So, yeah, let's just move to Europe. This is just, <laughs> I'm sick of this. That that is another like food with chemicals in it. Uh, oh my god! I'm heated here. This <laughs> do you remember horror. that from um the karate kid with Jaden Smith? It's not fun to me. I hate it home. here. I want to <laughs> go home. This is your home now, Trey. <laughs> like, but yeah, and that's I love a Taraji and I love her. Speaking of speaking um, of like historical black events and everything like that, I want to also talk about because this also falls into it when when. Uncle George brought up, like, the conversation about Montrose and, like, Atticus, because this is when they were still on the outs. And Atticus was telling the story about how his father was so angry with him that that reporter came to interview Atticus about him being a black soldier. Like, that's another aspect we don't talk about enough. Of, I like, forgot about that part. Yeah, the whole aspect of, like, and I even looked it up because I remember, like, the whole idea... Because Montrose was against it from the start. The whole idea of, like, you're a black man fighting for a, for a country that doesn't even want you here in the first place. Why are you going to go fight with them? And it tails back because black people have been a part of America's war since the birth of this nation. Yeah, and it's messed up because we've been brutalized from the beginning of it. Exactly. So, know? and then you get all these, you get... And then they put us, in, and then, you know, for his, history, for you guys to know, they put us as black people basically in the front, on the forefront... Knowing that those are the people that die first, you know. And then there's another so aspect. Human shields. No, and then there's another thing that they don't talk about. They don't talk about the fact that when they did join the military, they didn't see action. They were mostly just slave labor, because they would either be digging ditches, they'd be mechanics. They were only if they did go to the military, they never saw any type of actual action of fighting on the front lines. They mostly regulated them to work in the kitchens, to be mechanics, to you know clear roads and everything. So it's like, I understand, I understand Atticus having a feel of like a sense of duty, but I also understand where Montrose is coming from. Like, yeah. why would you fight for people that don't even want you here? I mean, and this is, you know, this is my own personal opinion. You know what? No, I'm not taking any digs at any veterans of any wars, like of any, of any race. I thank you so much for your service, but no, it was like a black, as a black woman, I definitely felt that, like, you know, like, it's like, especially knowing about Vietnam, you know, how many of us blacks, like, I mean, we, we've seen dead presidents. <laughs> so exactly. Anyways, but yeah, no, I, then, I don't think, like, back then, especially back in the day, I don't think us as black, you know, black people should be in the war. He's like, no, leave that, like, this is a country, and you know, it kind of goes along with, like, black cops. Like, we know how cops are in America. And, you know, this isn't all cops, guys. It's definitely not. I'm not saying that. It's, but there are some bad ones out there. But there are a lot of good ones. But it's a lot of bad ones that we see. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, you know, why would I want to be a black cop? You know, when these are the same ones. Some of them are the same ones. You know, 
killing us and shooting us and everything. Right. Like I could like I have anxiety just driving as a black person in America. So like that's why I'm like I'm gonna move to London. The cops there don't have guns. Right. And then also <laughs> another thing that's even that it, it's more recent. Remember during Trump's presidency, he want he didn't want trans people in the military. Mm-hmm. So it's like, dude, it is 2022. Why are we still dealing with these issues? Why are we still having like once again? It's like you're a marginalized group fighting for a country who doesn't respect you. Exactly. That hate that you exist. I get doing your duty. I do. So you know, I shout get out that. To the, I shout get out it. To those people, but for me, us, us personally, no, thank you. M- me, no, 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 thank you. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, but yeah, that that was one of the aspects because I remember hearing like, I remember hearing stories about how, um, certain black soldiers, I guess, decided to stay in Europe instead of going back to America because they got treated better in Europe. Granted, now, every nation does have some form of racism every, in it. Yep, every place. But from the research I gathered, it was like. It only, they, like, people in, like, France and, like, certain, like, people in France, that's the most open one I can think of yeah, right no, now. Uh, same, same. Like, definitely, like, in France, especially in Paris. Right. Men, blacks are just doing their thing, being happy. Just you know, minding their own business. And, there, and there's, um, there's this, uh, I don't know her account, but there's, like, this girl on, this black nomad on, like, TikTok, and she's always, she shares, like, this series of, safest places to travel as a black woman, you know, or, or as black, you know. Yeah. And a lot of them, they're always, most of them are in Europe. Yeah, some parts of Europe, like some parts of Spain and Barcelona, she's like, eh, I didn't feel welcome, but these other parts of Spain and Barcelona, I did. But the, the right. majority, though, for the most part is, you know, and this, I'm saying there's still racism everywhere, but for the main part, definitely France is, seems like the best place in the in the European Union. Right. And then uh, London is like, you know, the next two. Yeah, because like. Problems still. Main part, I would feel, for me personally, I would feel more safe as a black person living in London or Paris. Right. Because like some for, some veterans who did go to these wars, like World War II, the Korean War, they were saying like, you know, it didn't become an issue our race didn't become an issue until our fellow soldiers, our fellow white soldiers made it an issue. Other than that, they welcomed them. And I can understand a lot of them deciding to stay in Europe because it's like, why would I want to go back to a place that doesn't like me when I can go here and just, you know, live in this culture? Yeah. But that's another aspect that I liked how they kind of talked about. So, moving on. So another topic I want to just discuss. Uh, uh, oh, before we get into Ruby's sense of identity, we can actually merge it. Uh, Ruby's relationship with Christina slash William. Oh, man, gender swapping our main villain. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, in the book, Christina's character is actually male. Christina's character in the book Lovecraft Country is actually named Caleb Braithwaite, not Christina. Now in the show for the sake of the show William is also a character in the book but he just plays a servant Mm -hmm. he's not a henchman so in the tv show William is actually a real character 
he is a former lover of Christina's who was basically killed by Lancaster in the book. But they talk about him dying in the show. So it turns out Christina um, uses um, William's comatose body in order to create a potion that makes her... Because this was when she met Hiram also. And his one of his experiments kind of makes it akin to like uh, butterflies. So, yeah. you want to explain that to people? They don't get the butterflies or Silence of the Lambs? Just kidding. Okay. Well, that was moss. That wasn't butterflies. Those were moss, but still the same thing. Hey, the whole know, This girl knows her horror stuff. Brittany knows it. <laughs> I had 10 years to catch up on. I have 10 years of horror to catch up on. But, um, so, Christina is actually, I think I want to say episode 7. Yeah, episode 7. Christina explains, like, yes, William is really dead. William is a real person and he's dead, but I learned this potion from Hiram that lets me turn into him. The yeah, same using so, his blood. Yeah, using his blood, hair, and nails. Ugh. I can use that to create a potion that allows me to become William. So you find out that William is Christina. Now here, this is what I want to get into. This is where I knew something was up. I knew something wasn't stirring the Kool-Aid, to quote, <laughs> to quote um, uh, home dude, Tone Loke in uh, Ace Ventura. Something ain't stirring the Kool-Aid, man. Um, this is what I knew. So Christina, all of a sudden, is like, she's, she's going back to her house because she had moved. She probably bought an estate in Chicago just to keep an eye on the Freeman family. So Christina is walking in her driveway, and then you pan over, and it's Lancaster's boys, the like cops. the cops, and they're watching Christina because, of course, Lancaster represents a different order, and, of course, the whole sexism thing. We don't respect you because you're a woman. So all of a sudden, next thing you know, William comes out. And busts their ass. And beats the hell out of them. <laughs> and then goes and meets uh, Ruby, and they sleep together. I just want to say, I feel a little bit of shame because William is hot. I'm not gonna lie. I am not gonna. I'm not gonna hold you. William as a character is hot. Christina Lasash William can get it for Brittany. <laughs> but it's still that aspect when you don't know that it's still Christina. Man, hey Christina, hey she beat the hell out of them cops. Right. You gotta give it to her. I was like. Now, after, like, us finding out that that was really her, I'm like, damn, so she really can fight. Yeah, because I figured she was doing everything. Because a part of me knew there was a little bit of self-loathing about her being a female. Because, I didn't know at all until the reveal. No, no, I'm just saying, it, it kind of foreshadowed a little bit in yeah. the beginning when they first meet. Because when Atticus meets Samuel, she's like, they're discussing that one verse in the Bible. And... She's like that damn bitch Eve. And I'm like, there's a little bit of self-hatred in there. Now, I wouldn't say self-hatred because I think self-hatred is a bit strong. I want to say self-loathing. Mm -hmm. There is a bit of some self-loathing due to the fact that she was born female. Because she figures, you know, all this should be mine. But because I was born female, that only gets me halfway through the battle right. of life. Like, yeah, I was born white, but I'm still a female. So, I'm still not that high up on that totem pole. Yeah. Because, like, one of the things I learned in my women's studies class when it, um, um, in college was, like, there's a certain hierarchy in American society. Well, in society as a whole, but let's just keep it in America. 
there's white men, then black men, then white women, then black women. Yeah. They did, the show did add another layer to the story, like, when they did, like, gender swap her, you know? Because, you know, she is supposed to be, like, the main villain, but it kind of, I guess, makes you sympathize, like, a little bit. Like, she said, she well, not really, here's the thing. She said that to Tick, though. She said, like, basically, like, I'm trying to sympathize with y'all, I guess y'all my black cousins or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, because uh, I've been discriminated, uh, discriminated as a woman. Right. <laughs> yeah, even though she's a black woman. But her own discrimination was, like, to her, was, you know, her being a chick. Right. And, yeah. So, going back to, like, the relationship between Ruby and William. See, at first... Complex, complex. It is very complex. So... Tying into Ruby's relationship with Christina and William and tying into her sense of um, self-identity. So Ruby, obviously, she's half-sisters with Letty. They have the same mother, just different fathers. Mm-hmm. But Ruby is darker and Letty is light-skinned. Right. They're so <laughs> now one aspect they don't talk about, they don't really talk about the aspects of colorism. They don't. They don't talk about colorism. They hint at it though when you see like, you know, think about it. Letty is light-skinned and she's on the good side, you know, helping take and everything. And then you see Ruby, she's darker and on the kind of bad side because she's with Christina. You know? Right. So they kind of hinted at, like, oh, dark-skinned people have to be, you know, stereotyped into, you know, they're the more villain ones, you know? Like, Even though you do have... Yeah, they do, because, like, of course, with, you know, Montrose um, killing Yahima and everything. Also, yeah. I, I wanted to... Because we talked about this um, before we started. Uh, the Yahima's character being Native American or Indigenous, being Indigenous... Um, because I ended up, I was watching the show, because, you know, I watch, I tend to watch shows on captions, even though, like, I can hear, it, like, what they're saying. Sometimes you miss what they're saying sometimes. So, if you look at the captions, she's speaking Arawak. And I was very, very interested to understand what this was. And Arawaks were a part of the indigenous group, a, a part of an indigenous group that mostly populated the Southern America, like, South America and the Caribbean parts of Native Americans or indigenous people, if you will. Mm-hmm. And her being a two-spirit as well, which I find very fascinating about their culture as well because they're a lot more open to the idea of like being two-spirited. Because, if those of you who don't know, Yahima has, she has breasts, but she also has male genitalia as well. And I liked that aspect, not so much like, but that aspect was very interesting when it comes to her character as well. Because she being the one to kind of help Titus, but yeah. unknowingly know. So it is basically a, what happened with the Native American, the Pil- Native Americans and the Pilgrims. Like, look, they Native Americans. Here, you guys are hungry. Here's our food. Here's this. Here's that. You know, like we're chill. And then the Pilgrims like slaughter them. I I want to say it's kind of akin to Pocahontas, but uh-huh. the darker version. Still that too. Yeah. So yeah. But going back, going back. Ruby's, uh, sort of sense of, Ruby is, uh, Ruby represents the type of character or represents a black person in America who is tired of having to do two times the work for half the recognition. Yeah. So Ruby, um, 
you know, she's hardworking. She tries her best at everything that she's trying to do, but she just can't seem to catch a break. Because, you know, she's black during the Jim Crow era. Exactly. So something as simple as her trying to apply for a job at Marshall Fields in Chicago, um, it's 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 one of the things she wants to do. She she's hardworking, she she's very educated, she's very qualified, and she kinda gets a bit discouraged because she goes to apply and she notices there's already another black woman working in the department store. Knowing they won't ever hire more than just one of us. Right. So that discourages her, which is the reason why she goes and gets drunk at a club. And then that's when she ultimately meets Christina slash William. So she's under the impression that th- William is William. William is a white man. And of course, white white man, black woman... Oh, there's something exotic about you. You're pretty for a dark-skinned girl. That whole aspect. Because she's heard it. It's like, you ain't the first white man to offer me something, goddammit. What the fuck do you want? So, her relationship, they're attracted to one another, and they start sleeping together, and then... Yeah, but um, also, I think we have to add, like, you know, Ruby still is, like, ashamed of it, though. Yes. Because she's like, you're white, and I'm black. You know, in like, America, in America, and like she knows the history and the trauma and all the injustices she still faces, and she, you know, to her it's like, oh, and I'm sleeping with this white guy, Ugh. yeah. And then, but then, you know, after sleeping with him, you know, once, Christina, <laughs> you know, he offers her, you know, he gives her this the potion, mm-hmm. the gender, the the just you know metamorphosis potion basically, yes. And she, you know, transforms into a white woman. Right. And then, you know, she, you know, explores town. She sees, like, wow, it's so much easier being white. Mm-hmm. You know, like, she goes into an ice cream shop. She doesn't even have to pay. They just give it to her for free. She goes to the Marshall's Field to get the job. She and she's not qualified. Yeah, you know, like, not qualified at all. She ends up becoming... A manager. A manager. Because, like, one of, I was reading the article, and they were talking about that. Like, yes, the ice cream, going to the ice cream shop, and she doesn't have to pay because, you know, she's a white woman. Going to, into a job and seemingly not being qualified, but, oh, you're a white woman. You, you, you Just give her the job anyway. Just give her yeah. the job anyway. Then the little black boy who, you know, she ran, accidentally ran into him. And then, look, they were about to beat him. And right. And the cops showed up. She's like, no, no, it's fine. And the cops even give her a ride back home. Home. Oh, okay. your husband is looking for you. Yeah. He told us about these physical fits you have. Oh, no. It's like, bruh. So, Come on now. that was another aspect of it. Because I talked to Naomi about it. And Naomi really... Naomi's sort of view on the whole show, the view on Ruby was that that is crap for you to feel this way when everybody else is feeling the same way. Oh, you don't, like, everyone is going through the same thing she's going through. Because I was basically trying to say, I get where she's coming from. And Naomi was like, I get where she's coming from, but that's still no excuse for you to just be like this. Like, you're essentially, like turning your back on your family because you're tired of being treated like crap. So you decide, oh, let me turn into this white woman so I won't have to at least deal with it for a day, maybe even an eternity. Yeah. And also, so the way this potion works is that you need for the person that you're going to change into, you need to have them still alive somewhat, like kind of comatose. They're dead, but they're... She has William hooked up to these machines. The body's alive, but the brains are dead. Right. She has them hooked up to these machines. She uses their hair, their skin, and their na- their hair, their nails, and their blood 
to use to make the potion work and that's how they're able to change now the way it's interesting it's very much akin to dr jekyll mr hyde you have to take this potion or for some of you who haven't or don't know what that is kind of like the nutty professor remember how buddy loved the only way he could maintain his <laughs> physical form was if he was to take the potion every hour on the hour or however long it took for him yeah. to take this potion he needed to continue taking it so he wouldn't turn back into Professor Clump. Yeah. So the aspects that are interesting is the way that they get out of it. Because it looks painful. Essentially, your skin is falling off. And your actual skin is coming through. Oh, man. That's and it's such bloody. a scene when uh, her and Christina had that weird sex scene. Yeah! And Christina was as William and then she... What's her name? Ruby was uh, Hillary. Light skin. Yeah. So yeah, it's Hillary. So back in the room. Oh man, that was gross. So the body that they use. So the body that Christina slash William was using to create this white body for Ruby was this uh the the woman that was in that like small town named yeah. Dell. Yeah. When they were in uh Massachusetts. Artem. Artem. Yeah, yeah. 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 The one who had the dogs. Yeah. On the leash. Because. Obviously, Letitia hit her in the head with that with the butt of that gun or whatever. And, uh, I'm telling you, Letty is a badass chick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it does... So, excuse me. I, I do say it's interesting to have, like, characters like Letty... Not Letty, but uh, Ruby involved in the show because it does give an aspect of, like, you do get a sense there are some black people who are out there who, you know, they don't like being black. Because they, they, they think of it as a hindrance. It's a, it's, a, it's a means to an end, so to speak. Like, it's, like, for her, it was just, like, she was just tired of being qualified and being overlooked, being, like, seen as less than, even though you know you're better than your contemporaries. And watching her switch back and forth, and ultimately, the relationship between Christina and William is very, very complicated. Because you have, obviously, they have had sex where Christina is actually assuming William. Without Ruby knowing. And then Ruby right. finds out. And then you also have the, the complexities of their relationship. Like, Ruby being a white woman. And then, because after the stuff that happened with uh, Emmett Till and she goes back to William's house. And they have sex again, but it's, that was as Christine as a woman, though, right? No, that was Christine. Oh, okay. the, this is like episode uh, uh, seven. But in an episode, they do end up doing it well. Christine is a woman once, and they, they do it off screen, though. Yeah, thank God. So <laughs> I just I just don't want to see it. No, because it's 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 a very interesting that yeah, go gay, yeah, go gay, but still, I just. Uh, it's just those two characters. I don't know. It's just odd, right? Just them as characters, not the genders, but the characters. Gotcha. So it's just it. It does raise a lot of questions as far. Hey, as... that means sorry to cut you off. That means Christina's done it before with the chick because she says to Ruby when she's in girl form, her true self. She's like, "Have you done this before?" And she kind of like basically is like the energy. I'll guide you. So I'm like, ah. So that means Christina's probably like, bye. Hmm. Maybe. Sorry, go on. Maybe. Go on. But it does, going off of that as well, it's like, it, it's, it raises a different type of question. Because it's like, because you know, a lot of people, I myself am a straight ally. 
so for Ruby's character, it is very complex because it's like, because it does raise the question, is Ruby gay or is she straight? Is like, is uh, Christina like bisexual? Is she also, because like then it raises the, also the question, like is it gay if Christina is actually a woman, but she assumes the role as a man and sleeps with Ruby? So I felt like, I felt like, you know, and you know, that is a real thing in real life too, that, you know, is crazy, you know, when people like, that's the whole thing, you know, in the LGBTQIA plus community is, you know, people who are trans, you know, is, you know, should, do you tell the person, you know, and and that's the thing that they're showing in here because Christina, not Christina, Ruby didn't know. Right. And I'm just like. I still would want to know, you know, about my partner, but I wouldn't be upset, but I still would want to know because, you know, it's, it goes along with consent a little bit. Yeah, in a matter know? of trust, too. Because you can't tell if the person, if they did know that beforehand, if they would have changed their mind or not. So I do think it goes along the lines of consent. And by the way, have you watched I Made a Shree by Michaela Cole, the one who did the show that you told me to watch? She, the British actress. Uh-uh. She had that... Brit, that show you told me to watch with Connor and the girl. What's the show? Connor, the guy, the white boy. His name was Connor, and you know the mom was like a pastor. They were in, and the sister was like a, uh, like a religious freak. That UK show you told me to watch on HBO Max. The heck? Is... I have no Dude. idea what you're talking about. Hold on. So anyway, so going back, I think their relationship is just very, very like I don't chewing gum. Oh right, right, right. I I was like, I was like Connor. Like what? I haven't seen chewing gum in so long, dude. Well, she has a new show called I May Destroy You, and oh yeah, that show. Yeah. Okay. I finally finished it. Great show, but amazing show. I'm so happy it basically won like the you know the UK version of an Oscar because mm-hmm. it's she's a phenomenal actress and writer. Right. But yeah, so uh, light light spoiler, you know that is one thing on there. You know, there's a there is a scene. Hold for some. Oh, hold for some. Sorry guys, there was an ambulance going on in the background. Uh, but going back, I I may. Watch. You want a show. light spoiler or no? No. I'm not going to bring it up then, guys. Okay. But either way. <laughs> but anyway. Um, you know, about people, whether they're, you know. Oh, yeah, because I, I know. Uh, whether they're gender swapping or if someone's, you know, if you're supposedly a straight, you know, cis female, and then a male, a gay male comes up and, you know, he wants to sleep with you, for example, and he pre- pretends to be straight. When it's like that, you didn't disclose all the information, right? You know, it's this is that gray area with consent, and yeah, Christina didn't, well, Ruby didn't consent to that shit. No, <laughs> later so. on she did. Later on she did, but yeah, because and then I feel like that was another aspect of this show that was just very, very rooted in just this complex nature. Like Ruby is, it was a power dynamic when you think about it, because yeah. Christina was you. She yeah she likes Ruby and on a like base level, but also it was serving a purpose to her. Right. You know, like maybe I can get information out of her. Yeah. Or yeah. It it, it seemed like their relationship was very transactional, but there were aspects of their relationship where you could kind of see 
that Christina may be falling for Ruby. Yeah. They never really actually go outwardly and say like, it. It wasn't love, but she liked her. Right. Enough. Right. Because it does. Enough to like, you know, keep Letty safe in the end. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. There was aspects of like, and then it, it, it just seemed a little bit, it just seemed a little bit rushed for me. Like once you get to the end of the show mm-hmm. and you get to the end and it's like, the aspect that really kind of like confused the all the hell out of me was the rush to kill Ruby off and then just have Christina assume her identity for the sake of like, oh, I'm just going to assume your identity so I can get more information. Right. So it was just I, that aspect of it because, yeah, their relationship is filled with like complexities and then going back to like Ruby's sense of identity, like... Here you had Ruby who just wanted to just for once not remember what it was like to be black for once, which is complex. Especially during the 1950s, like Jim Crow age. Yeah. Man. Yeah. (laughs) Just, Just the overall like idea of just like, I'm just so sick of this shit. Like, I'm just so sick of this shit. But yeah, going into that whole thing. But yeah, that's one of the aspects I wanted to talk about. But yeah, I definitely want to talk about uh, Jiha. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. So mm-hmm. another thing I wanted to talk about, I wanted to talk about Hippolyta's journey of self-discovery and self-worth. The multiverse. The multiverse. <laughs> Apparently, the multiverse is not the only thing that is uh, centered around Marvel. <laughs> I see what you're there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there have been like there have been like these ideas of like you know there's multiverses out there. There's different universes out there. So yeah. Hippolyta. Um, was um Hippolyta? She was trying to discover what happened to her husband, right? George, right? What to her, just George, right? And, and then in doing so, because the first time you see the orrery, it is in the first time you see the orrery, it is in the house, the Winthrop house, right? And then Hippolyta ends up taking it, yeah, and she. She's trying right. to figure out. So she's like, "I'm gonna fix this. This looks like it could be a cool like a." Uh, planet uh thing you know yeah you know she likes you know planets and what, what is it science and astrology Astro- and all that yeah, yeah all of that stuff so you know she takes it trying to fix it and then you know the thing happens with you know uncle george and you know she's trying to figure out what happened to him so either way she basically comes across this multiverse machine yes and that was harem's right harem epstein, epstein? yeah epstein yeah so yeah. it was um so I, so the the Ori holds a key. The Ori holds a key that she ended up solving and she goes to this place that had coordinates on it. And when this is all in episode 7. So um she finds the Ori, she discovers the Ori, she ends up cracking the code, figures out what's um wrong with it and ends up getting a key also with coordinates. Now the coordinates is to an observatory with a time machine in it. Mm-hmm. So in her trying to un uh trying to figure out this like time machine and everything like that because of course Hiram I think was trying to achieve time travel to help get like these books uh get these pages from Titus and like trying to go back in time and find Titus and like trying to do the ritual all over again because that's basically what um Christina was trying to do she was trying to find the pages and like basically become immortal. 
So what ends up happening is she ends up getting transported into the time machine on accident because her and Tick encounter uh, Lancaster's uh, cops. Man, that dude just sucks. Yeah, he does. Uh, Lancaster's cops ends up finding out that she's there, and then they and then they tried to kill her, but Tick comes in at the time uh, comes in at the perfect time. They kill the cops. Um, they get the time machine working, and Hippolyta ends up going through a portal. Yeah. Now. She's essentially time traveling yeah. and she meets these different aliens and like she's going to these different time, these different points in time. Like she says she wants to go be a dancer yeah. in Paris with uh, Josephine Baker. Yeah. And that was in like 1920 France. So like she's right. able to like, you know, it, it enables her to like, um, you know, say a place or name who she wants to be, which is cool. Yeah. Who she wants to be and she could live that life. Right. So then, not only cool. does she become a dancer and... She uh, became an Amazon warrior. What? It's not an Amazon. It's an Some African warrior. Warriors. African warriors. So she gets... They were tall, though, weren't they? No. I'm just short, then. <laughs> Go on. Then she ends up getting transported to become these, like, to this, like, small nation of African warriors, uh, African female warriors who take on these, like, um, take on these kind of conquerors or whatever, kind of, mm-hmm. like, these... Yeah. So she learns like a lot and becomes like hella intelligent. Mm-hmm. And then she also goes to, you know, go returns to uncle, like George, like Uncle George. Right. Even though we know he's passed away, but in another like, let's say. Multiverse. You know, yeah, multiverse or whatever. He's there, you know, she's self-aware. Right. And then, and then she, they have that talk. Yeah. She So to in the middle of everything, she finds Uncle George and she's like, look, like, I love you. I love everything about you, but our relationship somewhere down the line just became this thing of like, you became this more, you, in our relationship, you, what, I want to say Uncle George is very progressive, but at the same time, he inadvertently made her feel like she was just small. Like she didn't, he didn't pick up on the fact that, you know, yeah, she's content. And happy, you know, for their life and, you know, for their daughter. But low-key, she, she wants more. for more. Because right. she wanted to be, a, what, an astrophysicist? What did you say? I want to say an astronomer or an astrophysicist. Yeah. Something that deals with, like, space. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the fact that he started, you know, his, um, what was the business he had for traveling? For yeah. Safely to be. It was like a safe Negro travel guide. Yeah. So, you know, and she was, you know, she seemed okay. Like, he thought she was okay to just, you know, stay you know, home and be safe from all of, like, the what could happen out there with races, you know? But right. she didn't mind, though, because it would have been an adventure for herself. And right. also them, too, as a couple. Right. So she was like, and that's why... And he from, apologized. That multiverse Uncle George still apologized. Like, right. You know, part of me, I guess, knew, but I wanted... I knew that, but I wanted you to still be safe. Right. And that was important. But he still apologized. Was, oh, that's cute. Yeah, because they have a very healthy relationship. Like, he... Also, the actor is Mar- Courtney B. Vance. I love him. He's oh, he's Angela so great. Bassett. He's so great. I love both of them. You want to talk about a black power couple? <laughs> Angela Bassett and Courtney B. Vance. Go, Angela Bassett, girl. There you go. <laughs> love her. But I do like that aspect, because I do like that aspect of their relationship. And I also understand where she's coming from. Like, you're a black woman in America... There's already enough stuff you have to do dealing with white culture, but also having to find your place in the world because you know she's educated. She figured out the time machine. 
she Man, she legit when she was sitting there and she was figuring out how to make this thing work and you see the calculations going on in her head I'm like I can barely do mental math in my head now and this woman is figuring out time travel. I can basically do a uh, long term long division. Exactly. And she's just sitting there figuring this shit out and I'm like, "Oh my god, that's what another aspect yeah, I love." She was like Tony Stark and way back exactly. in the day before Tony Stark. She, she Hippolyta Freeman ran so Riri Williams could walk. <laughs> If those of you who don't know, Riri Williams is Ironheart in the Marvel Universe. Just saying. <laughs> so shout out to Ironheart being a black educated woman who also figured out how to make her own Tony Stark. Her own Iron Man suit. <laughs> but yes. Like this woman educated. just She just wanted more for her life. And then on top of that, she wanted to be <clears throat> that example that her daughter saw in her. Like her daughter kind of, you know, I get it. That trope, we were talking about this also before we started recording. Like, that sort of aspect of, like, parents doing things for their kids because they think that's what their kids want. And in actuality, it's like, no, she just wanted you to be there. Because with all the stuff that was going on with Emmett Till, Hippolyta was still in, in, like, time travel mode. Oh, yeah, she was, she was. So it was like, I get it, and I, I respect her for it. And she's, she's a one of a kind. She's a very strong woman. And a very strong, educated woman, too. And that lady is smart. So, yeah, that was one of the aspects I wanted to touch on. So, another um, thing I wanted to touch on. uh, The use of horror, supernatural, and sci-fi in this show. Ooh. It's very... Let's pack. So... Let's unpack it. So, the use of horror, I gotta say... When I say... Because I remember early on when this show had just debuted and it was just like starting to make the wave. So, of course, there's going to be memes on like social media, like Facebook and everything. And when they did the picture of the two, the Topsy and Bobsy characters. Oh, yeah. I was freaked the fuck out. Oh man, it, it was that was creepy though. Yeah. So, like, if you guys don't know, like, the Topsy and what was the other? Bobsy. Topsy and Bobsy characters. So basically in the show, like, it happens when, what is her name? Diana? Mm-hmm. So Diana is um, Hippolyta's daughter. Mm-hmm. So Lancaster puts a spell on her the day of Emmett Till's uh, funeral. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't, it feeds on her fears. So backtrack a bit, to backtrack a bit. So Lancaster, so when Hippolyta went, when Atticus leaves, the uh, so Atticus ends up getting transported back to the future as well. Not not back to the future. Well, yeah, you can say back to the future. Uh, Atticus gets transported through the portal as well, and so did Hippolyta. Now they zoom in after one of the cops. So the cops are found dead, right? And there is a comic book. Diana draws like these comic books for her parents whenever they go on trips, and the yeah. comic book, yeah. the comic book that um. Diana wrote for her mother had her name on it. So Lancaster put two and two together. He's like, are you Diana Freeman? And he puts a spell on her. Yeah. He, yeah. So he does like a magic attack. And basically she's chased by like these two demon girls from the cover of uh, that book, Uncle Tom's Cabin. cabin. And Uncle yeah. Tom's Cabin has a character, character, caricature of a black girl on it 
that yeah. is mm-hmm. what Real they oh uh, yeah stereotype you know of those times where they kind like of portrayed little hair, black girls as like wild hair crude red, red like, lips and everything like big that smiles yeah, min- yeah disheveled and everything Weird. what type of movements would you call that like that they would the menstrual movements menstrual movements that's what it is so a new word today yeah because <laughs> that's the whole thing the pickaninnies and minstrel so they kind of this racist character caricature of these little black girls are chasing Diana throughout the entirety of the day because they're trying to scare her because, of course, the only person that can see these racist character caricatures is Diana. So as the, the, the show, it just keeps getting creepier and creepier and creepier because when the characters show up, you also hear this music, this song, this really oh, disturbing yeah. song that keeps... And every time when I hear it, because it, it, there's this wrestler or a former wrestler or wrestler that has this character called The Fiend, and his name's Bray Wyatt, and one of his catchphrases is like, let me in. And one of the aspects of the, as the show progresses, you keep hearing this song whenever they appear. It's like, knock, knock, knocking at the door, let me in, let me in. And I was, that was creepy. It was, it was creepy. That It was creepy, man. So... Uh, so basically what happens is um these things one of them gets its fingernails into diana's arm and essentially is going to possess diana by turning her into one of these like characters it's very creepy it's it's very disturbing and very creepy so that's one did some messed up stuff to our homies in in the show but you know what we have to say it was some great you know racial revenge in the show with Homeboy, you know, getting raped with the stiletto. Oh, I'm gonna get into that. I'm gonna get into. I'm gonna get into part by the bees. Uh, oh yeah, the Chagas. Yeah, Chagas, the Lovecraftian culture creature. I'm gonna get into that. But yeah, um, the a sense of like that, like the supernatural episodes with the haunting of the house and everything, and all that crazy with the ghosts and everything, and then of course the sci-fi. And, like, the use of Lovecraftian creatures like the Chagas with our, like... Um, also, another thing that was, like, really cool. So, in the first episode, when they um, they ran into the racist sheriff, and they ran into the racist sheriff, and they're in that... Cl- they're in the, um, the cabin. The cabin in the woods. Funny. So, they're in the cabin, and then, all of a sudden, one of the, the, the sheriff that got bit, the racist sheriff that got bit, and then, my, and then Uncle George is like, uh, what happens to a va- what happens to a person when they're bit by a vampire? And I'm like, you know damn well what happened. That thing started turning into one of them. Because essentially they're like chagas. So they only come out during at night. There's these dog-like, they're not dog-like because they don't have ears, but they're these like kind of dog-esque creatures with sharp teeth and eyes all on their bodies except on their heads. And they're just these murderous, carnivorous beasts basically. So you have that in that aspect. The whole aspect of time travel. Um, uh, you could even say like the aspects of like even Asian folklore with like Gia's character, her being possessed by the nine-tailed uh, fox spirit. And that aspect of Ooh. it. So yeah, the I really did enjoy it because I, I felt like this was something that was different. You finally got something like that was you got you finally got something in Hollywood that was different from everything else that was on television. And I really enjoyed agree it. with that. Because 
You only in books. I told you you love. I told only you in, love it. Only in, and then when I find out that this was actually a book, I'm like, oh, now I really want to read the book. Right. And of course, you know, like they always say, the book is always better than the movie or the TV series, and that is quite true. I'm definitely gonna make a recommended book list from everything. Yeah. I definitely gotta read like the Count of Monte Cristo though by yeah. Alexander Dumas. Yes. So going also, we're gonna head into our next topic. Uh, the social commentary on classism and LGBT people in the 1950s. Because we touched on it. We touched on the aspect of L- LGBT uh, plus uh, characters in this show. Especially, you do see it touched on in episode four. When Montrose, um, after being beat up by his son because he had killed Yahima, uh, Montrose goes to Sammy. And Sammy and Montrose have been in a relationship this whole entire time. And one of the aspects that I really enjoyed that one of the lines that Sammy said that really, really made me like, oh, yeah, this is definitely a thing. And it's still a thing now. It's like when Sammy, when Montrose shows up at Sammy's door and he has the black eye because he got beat up and Sammy's like, which one was it? Was it it the old phase or was it the niggas? And like that spoke volumes because we are at least a good 14 years away from like the because what i want to say the um the stonewall riots can you look this up yeah i want to say i think this happened in 1969. yeah so the stonewall riots happened from yeah 1969. i was right yeah you were right so if you guys don't let's read what it says stonewall riots were a series of spontaneous demonstrations by members of the gay community in response to a police raid that began in the early morning hours of June 28, 1969 at the Stonewall Inn in the Greenwich Village neighborhood of New York City. Right. So you're thinking, so once again, you're 14 years away from the Stonewall riots. I don't care what anybody says. LGBT people have been a part of culture for a very long time, have been a part of like human culture for a very long time. They've been here. Now you're talking 1955 America. The whole I the whole aspect of the 1950s during that time frame. You know that sort of Leave It to Beaver. Like oh, it's the you know the white picket fence. The 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 husband goes out to work and the wife ends up staying home to take care of their children. The 2.5 children in the suburbs. That whole Amer that white American dream, right? Doesn't leave much room for people who are black, Latino. Asian, like yep. of different different kinds of Asian culture as well. We're not just talking about like Koreans and Japanese. We're talking also about like Middle Easterners as well. Like if you look different and you didn't fit that mold of America, you were pretty much, for the lack of a better term, you were fucked. Yeah, <laughs> you are fucked. In an elephant way, ostracized. <laughs> exactly. So not only, and then to also go back to Paris is burning. The opening scene in Paris is burning, because this is also Paris and Paris is burning. This is an amazing look into that 1980s ball culture, which was represented in episode four. This sort of aspect, and one of the opening lines was, "You are born in this world with three strikes," and one of the strikes was, "You were black and you were male," and to be bla- to be gay, black, and male in America. It's one thing to be a black man in America. It's another thing when you're gay as well in America. 
because black men are mostly seen to be these hard, like, beings. Like, you're supposed to be, you're not supposed to be weak. You're not supposed to show weakness. How dare you fall? And then on top of that, you're attracted to men as well. <laughs> not only, and then the whole effeminate male machismo thing that goes with that. So that I really enjoyed that they touched on. Like, they don't touch on it in the book because I believe in the book, uh, Montrose's sexuality is never a, a question. He's straight. Yeah. And, but for the sake of the show, I like how they included that in the show because you can't really talk about black culture when you can't talk about black gay culture as well. Had it not been for black, trans, gay, Latinos, and black men, had it not been people of color, there would be no there would be no gay rights movement. It was yeah, it was black trans men and women who were the leading charge of the Stonewall riots. You got to give it up for them. So when they talk about episode four, Sammy obviously being, Sammy is a drag queen and has been seeing Montrose. And you think Montrose being in this culture, you know, even behind closed doors during this time frame when this is like a secret thing. Like being gay and black, you had to do this stuff behind closed doors. You couldn't really be out to your neighbors because you do run the risk of either being killed or sent to an asylum and being lobotomized. Side note, uh, you know, 1950s, you know, before the Stonewall riot in 69 in New York, New York had um, LGBT uh, undercover clubs Mm -hmm. back then in the 50s, by the Mm -hmm. way. You know, so, you know, they would have these queer spaces. And I know there's like, there was a famous lesbian one. So, but they would always, um, but the, it was it was for um, lesbians and gays. So they would go in, and then as soon as like the cops were coming, they would just switch to whatever guy, girl, parent right. they could get at the time. Exactly. And that's how they did it back then. Yeah, and that's how, and that's legit how it was back then. So but, I really, but that was majority still white though. Right. Know, exactly. For the most part, you know? Exactly. So you're talking about like, is, there's there's a lot of. Um, they do talk about it and they do like have those moments where Montrose is still struggling internally. Like even in this sort of safe space, he still feels like an outsider. He's like, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be doing this. Everything I'm doing, I'm not supposed to be this person. Excuse me. And and I think that's another aspect of Michael K. Williams portraying this character because everybody remembers Michael K. Williams from The Wire playing Omar Little. You had this dude who was seen as like a threat. Like he was killing people. And it turns out he was gay. Like you got a character, just Michael K. Williams, just just by the look of him. He's very dark skinned. He has a scar. He has this very rough, raspy voice. And you're a black man playing this gay character? It's It's like your brain just doesn't compute it at all. But he shows that emotional range of a black man who looks like him that isn't supposed to be like this. Yeah. I like that it was unexpected. You know, there mm-hmm. was one thing in more than one way about the series that I really loved. Like, I really couldn't predict a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. You were just going along, like, finding things out as they did, you know? Mm-hmm. But such a great show. <laughs> I, also, I also do like the fact that at first, like, I do want to say, yes, this is a very, like, 
uh, this is a very like jarring thing for Atticus because to find out like by episode like I want to say episode seven or like episode n- n- not seven it's episode eight when he finds out because Sammy's in his apartment and he's like so it's true and then he calls him that I'm not going to repeat it but he calls him that slur and he's like you're a you're a this and he's like and then he leaves and he's like you know, all this time I thought he was trying to do, all this time he was whooping my ass and whooping my ass, trying to make me into something, like trying to turn me, like trying to ma- not make me soft, when in actuality he was just doing it because he didn't want me to be like him. And then as the series goes on, and <laughs> when they're doing like the episode eight, and he's like, he's standing there and he's looking at his dad on that, uh, he's looking at his father. And he's drinking, because this is when he finds out about the Lovecraft Country book, by uh his, because uh, he finds out that Atticus went time traveling. He's standing there with his bag on his shoulder, and he's like, "You ever cheat on my mama?" <laughs> with the straightest face, he's like, "No, I didn't. I only had desires, but I didn't act on them." And it was just the funniest way. He's just standing there in the street with his hands, on, with his uh, fists on his hip, just like, "Do you ever cheat on my mama?" But you know, plot twist. Uh, the mom and Uncle George were cheating. Yeah, <laughs> and Uncle George is really his dad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I, I do like and that was crazy too because Atticus said when he did find out, like, man, this whole time I grew up my whole life with Uncle George, always looking at him and like being motivated by motivated by him and inspiring to be like him, wishing, man, I wish that was my father. You know, instead of the dude who's beating my ass. Right. He was my, my dad all the whole time. time. Man, yeah. Such a mind. Man. Yeah. That was the thing. But yeah. So, I like how they touched on that. And they did it. I like how, not so much that they touched on it, but they represented it. Like, they gave it representation. They were like, look, we're not going to, there's a lot of things we're touching on in this show. We're not going to just sit here and not touch on the fact that there were black gay people out there and they were and they have been here for a very long time and they exist. Thank you. Thank you. And uh and I liked how they touched upon this one little small aspect of uh social com- uh classism. So remember when they um when Christina meets Tick for the first time and she was like and Tick was under the impression that Samuel was a part of the Grand Wizards, like the KKK. Here's the part that really had me like, see, see, they even talk about it on this show. When she <laughs> said, my father, when when uh, Christina was like, my father would never associate with those, would never associate with the clan. They're poor. <laughs> I was like, see. <laughs> That was funny. I yeah, because it's it real. Because if you really want to think about, it, if you really want to, like, people aren't ready to have this conversation. But hold with me. The aspect that poor white people think we're the problem. Rich white people have convinced these poor white people that we are the problem with society. It's like so the, the rich white people ain't gotta be bothered with the poor white people. Exactly, people that's what I'm saying. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like the whole, like <clears throat> classism is just classism exists in every race. 
you do have black people who are out there looking down on who they perceive as like ghetto black people. Mm-hmm. Hell, it's vice versa. We even, I mean, there's inter inter racism as well. Internalized, Internalized racism. Internalized race. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have like certain like Asians. You know, like being racist against other Asians, like Koreans and you know Japanese thinking. One of the, one of their races is better than the other. Yeah, and then they them looking down on like you know, like other Asians from like uh the Philippines or from like um Thailand. Exactly. You know, Lao. Right. So it's crazy. They even talk about it in when in when they do the episode when they introduce Gia, like the the uh the the what was it? I think he is the 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 one soldier who was like the the one Korean soldier. He was like, or I think he's Japanese. He's like. Why? Because they were they talked about it a little bit, like when she was asking them, like, why are you fight? Like, uh, what was it? Atticus was talking about, like, yeah, I'm a black man serving a country that hates me, and then like he was talking, she was talking to the other Asian uh soldier, and he was like, yeah, over there I'm considered this slur, and then over there, like Japanese people don't want me either. Like, I'm not gonna be respected either way. Like. Yeah. I'm screwed either way, because even they have infighting in their own things, yeah. because it's like, oh, yeah, because I think they talked about, like, yeah, the Japanese culture has been, like, trying to, like, take over our culture or something like yeah. that about Koreans. And then money comes secondary to that classism. Yeah, because so it fuels first, it. The, yeah. It fuels it. It legit fuels it, because it's like, because, like, she legit was like, we're not associating with those poor people. Exactly. There's poor people here. <laughs> It's, it's, it's just one of the things that I liked how they talked about. Because nobody's ready to have that conversation. Like, it's it's been brought up in certain spaces of, like, yeah, like, rich people, rich white people don't want to deal with poor white people. Because <laughs> they think they're on the same level as us. And rich people in almost any culture uh, don't want to deal with poor people. Yeah. Side note, uh, Lovecraft Country star Jonathan Majors is set to play a major role in Ant-Man 3. Oh, shit. Tig is going to be in Ant-Man 3. Oh, shit. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Classism, guys. Classism. I also want to talk about uh, the heaviness of certain episodes. Okay. So one of the episodes I thought that was like, like really really like the heavier episodes i gotta say is episode eight and episode nine episode eight is the one where they deal with like everything going on with emmett till emmett till and the aftermath of his death and episode nine uh talks about the um the tulsa massacre of 1921 when i say when i watched the tulsa massacre that episode just had my mind racing because I went to sleep, but I ended up waking up at like two o'clock in the morning because that episode was just still on my mind because it's just these people did nothing wrong but exist. They didn't bother nobody. Like, yeah, of course, you're going to have those issues with like Montrose and um, uh, George's father who was abusive because, you know, it's like 1920s. They still didn't know how to handle you're black in America and then on top of that it's like oh great now my son's gay too like it's a lot to deal with it's a lot so it's like you have that going on but then it's like 
for all intents and purposes, it's like the man was still willing to protect his kids. And it's like, fuck. It's like, these people did nothing wrong. At the end of the day, like Emmett Till's accuser lied. That doesn't bring that boy back. Nope. That does not, that doesn't bring him back. That doesn't bring Martin Luther King back. That doesn't bring Malcolm back. These people just wanted equality. They just wanted to exist in a space. They just wanted to exist. And these people just felt like that was the most horrendous thing that could possibly happen. The government, too. The government, you know, undermined the Black Panther movement. You know, they they literally worked and helped assassinate some of our, you know, some of our race leaders. Because the sheer idea that we exist. And then that's the crazy thing. It Because it just ta- it touches on the aspect of like, that's why it's wild when you hear these fucking racist people are like, go back to where you came from. Why are you, like, go back to Africa. Motherfucker, your ancestors are the reason why we're here in the first place. It's also, like, um, aren't you on stolen land, sir? Yes! You are, you're, you're not you are here! from here. You don't even go here. The, the, <laughs> whole, the whole hypocrisy that is involved inside American culture is just so... And then the fact that these people have de- just made themselves so delusional about the history. You're still holding on to this Confederate flag. Your side lost. And you want to talk about bringing up old shit. But, you know, to them, you, uh, it was a rigged election. It was a rigged uh, war. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like the state of delusion. Like, when Christina legit was, not Christina, when Ruby was telling off Christina, like, the sheer fact that y'all white women are so delusional. Like, you don't understand. You, like... You just being, to them, it's like just being white and existing. Like, you're white privilege. Like, you refuse to acknowledge that you have it better than us. You don't have to walk through life being stared at. You don't have to walk through life having all of your intentions questioned. Like, you can walk about, like, you can walk about society without people wondering if you're going to. When I was like. 1920 I was staying over at Curtis's place right this is like early 2000s this is recent this ain't 1980 this ain't 1990 this has happened a couple of years ago me and Denzel are walking down the street and we come across this white lady who's walking in the opposite direction of us she grabs her purse she grabbed her purse while we were walking past her I grew up on the north side of Chicago my entire life. And to see that that actually still... And the same thing happened when I was on my way to work. I was on the train. And this white woman clutched her purse. Hey, I like... There was this, uh, there was this um, girl on, uh, I think, Twitter or something. I saw it. Uh, she was saying, like, you know, that happens to her. So she said one day... When, uh, you know, a lady, you know, looked up at her, she clutched her purse. The black lady clutched her. And the lady looked at her, like, so offended. And she said, told the white lady out loud, uh, y'all still too, sis. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, you, you know how many, like, every time, every time you turn on an episode of Snapped, 
It's about some white woman that killed her husband. Yes, black women out there are killing their husbands, and there's episodes like he that. But then, coming, and he ran into my knife. You went to my night ten times. Sorry. It's just, it's just, it, 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 le- it legit left me awake. Just like, imagine what our grandparents had to go through. Our grandpa, my grandmother would have been eighty nine. Ruby Bridges is still alive. Ruby Bridges is still She's alive. She's in her sixties, I think. <laughs> and it's just like, let me look it up. How old is Ruby Bridges? Like, I'm telling you, like she, you want to tell them the story of Ruby or not? Nah? Okay, Ruby Bridges, like, I want to say back in... She's 67. Ruby Bridges is still alive. She was a little kid. Sorry, go on. She was a little black girl who became one of the very first students to go to an all-white school because they had gotten rid of segregation at this time and started, started, like, introducing integration. It was in 1960. It was in Louisiana. It was a thing like uh, New Orleans. Right. Yeah, and you know, she had to be like, those nights, she was six years old. Ruby Bridges was six years old. And those adults, adults threatening to kill her, trying to say, we're going to poison your food to a seven-year-old, six-year-old, like trying to throw rocks at her. This is literally 67. Our parents, how old is mom? Like 55? Yeah, going on 56. Yeah, so look, Ruby Bridges is only 11 years older than mom. That's one generation away from us. Think about that. And it's like... And they want to act like it was forever ago. Just because history books want to put it all in black, black and, and white. white. So we can think it was forever ago. It's like, this shit is recent. This, shit, this woman, this young girl, this little girl, who had no idea how fucked up this world was, just wanted to exist. Just wanted to go to school. And then all of a sudden, it's like every adult, those white adults were throwing rocks at her, threatening to kill her just because she wanted to go to school with their kids. Yeah, I remember watching the movie when I, when I was growing up. Oh my God. It's just, it, it's, it's just, when you're, when you're on the outside watching this stuff take place, you're on the outside witnessing the trauma that these people went through. Just the fact that when... Even when Ruby was in Dell's body as a white woman, her first instinct when she saw those cop cars coming was to put her hands up. That's how it that's how burned into their brains it is. Your first instinct was to put your hands up. They did that in the show too, like uh, you know, after smashing the cars. You mm-hmm. know, Liddy, the windows, and they were terrorizing her. And all the cops saw it. As soon as they heard the thing, all three of them lifted up. Yeah, put their hands up, and I'm like, y'all, they're they and it, it, the, oh god, it's just. What's crazy is there like some of these like when that happened to Ruby Bridges, some of those like people in those photos are still around. Yes, still around. Not in their late seventies, early eighties, still alive. It's just it's it's that's what I'm talking about the heaviness of it, the when you as a logical person sitting there watching Christina, like you're legit watching Christina reenact what happened to Emmett Till, happened to her. By the way, I cried during that scene. I cried. I kept thinking about. Like everything he was going through in those moments. Can like, you imagine? You're a 14 year old boy, and it was an ugly cry too. Yeah, like, the it was like the Viola Davis ones with like snot. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like 
You're because it's like you can only imagine what that kid is going through. The fear, the 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 fear of never seeing your mother again. The fear of never seeing your family again. And you're only fourteen. You're and a fourteen you saw year old. Thing, like you know, his aunt, uncle was saying, "Just can't you just beat the boy? Like, please don't kill him. Just beat him with him. Do we like just please bring him back? You know? Right. Imagine that." Right, that was the least they could do was just beat the hell out of him and then bring him back to his family. Fourteen year old boy just doing nothing. It's crazy. It's like, bro, th- that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. The sheer heaviness of the fact that if you really look at it at a logical standpoint, all these people were were just regular human beings at the end of the day that got killed. Because of what they look like. That's as simple as you can possibly put it. And it's still dumbfounding and ridiculous that these people are getting killed. Like, the craziest thing. I'm watching an episode of Cold Case, right? And they were trying to figure out, like, the discover the murder of this, like, Japanese-American. They, during those, during World War II, they actually had their own concentration camps. But for their... For Japanese Americans in America on soil, they put these Japanese Americans in concentration camps because they were afraid that these people were plotting against them on their own soil. Some of them just wanted a better life. Some of them just came to America just to exist, to escape whatever hell they were coming from because that was what this country was built on. So then you got a bunch of other people who just came in and were like, no, you don't belong here. No, you don't. You had, like, even against our own race of people. Like, didn't they give, like, wasn't the whole purpose of gangs in New York was they were giving Irish people shit? Yep. Man, I love that movie, by the way. But it's like, I love that movie. What the fuck is wrong with people, man? Like, damn, you're even doing this to your own race. So, uh, when are we moving, uh, to Europe? <laughs> Shit. I must spend, spend half my time there, half here. I just, cause just, it, it's, it's just, for me as a person who is very logical, it's just, it's just so frustrating. It's just so beyond frustrating. Like, these people are just, never mind the fact that, yes, Christina does face some type of, like, disadvantage because she's a woman. But remember what she told Tick. Like, you just can't go around shooting white women. Yeah. It's like, bruh. Bruh. I'm like, fuck. This is, that's what I was talking about. Just the sheer heaviness of just, like, sitting there and realizing these people just did absolutely nothing wrong but exist. And you hate them for it. Even though your ancestors are the reason why we are here. And you don't want to acknowledge that. Like, why is, like, is that so hard of a concept to understand? Like, we weren't here, like, we weren't brought here on our own volition. Hell, Asian people were not brought here on their own volition. They were built, they came here, they were brought here to build railroads. They were also forced to come here. It's like, bruh, bruh, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, honestly... And we're not that far off. This is shit that happened nearly 70, damn near almost 100 years ago. This shit ain't like, oh, this isn't like... Brand new. Right. This shit ain't brand new. This shit is recent. And the, They always want to say, oh, slavery was only, you know, 
400 years, whatever. Uh, all right. Think about this. All right. You want to talk about the hell people, We're black still... people have caught, like, during the 40s, the 50s, and the 60s? It's... Hell, this shit is happening during the 70s, and this still wasn't better. Yeah. But it was, we were still getting, we were still getting killed for our skin tone in the sixties, like our, like, you know, our people. And, and guess what? Seventies too. But main, like, you know, started, you know. But anyway, sixties. That's only that's one generation from us millennials now. That's not long. Like our what, parents were born during that shit. Let's say sixty eight, sixty nine. What is it? Thirty. That's fifty years ago. You know, it's not long at all ago. No. People, it's just crazy. It is draining. It's actually just mentally draining. Because then, if you want to, you, you, if you want to. You know, also, we're the only ones that, we have only people that don't have reparations. Exactly. I'm like, you know, that's going to be a whole other episode. That's a whole, that's if a whole we really want to talk about the racism in America, yes, because obviously, yes. And like, first time we actually realized it ourselves, first time we saw it on TV. You know, when Ruby Bridges, the movie came out on Disney. We were four. So we had to watch that by the time we were You like, remember, wow. remember our friend Martin? Oh, man, yeah. What was that other one? Like, uh, what was it called? Like, um, the friendship color one. Hold on, I'm going to look it up. The color of friendship. Mm-hmm. Remember that one? Yeah, I didn't watch it, but. Man, all right. Moving on. Anyway, okay. To to lighten the mood, let's talk about our favorite moments from the show. Ooh. Ooh, seeing Tick finally beat the hell out of them racists with the baseball bat. And he, yeah. He was the guy all along. He's yeah. like, I got you, kid. Right, right. That was, that was, was, was so great. <laughs> so I have. Letty like, running out of. <laughs> Letty running out yeah. of. Get your ass. We gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I got uh, her hitting the cars with the baseball bat too. Yeah, cause she just she she was done. She was Man. done. Uh, I gotta say, two of my favorite moments I already talked about. Like one of my favorite moments when a uh, tree came into the driveway when they were about to drive off and like Tick <laughs> screaming, "Man, what the hell is you doing?" <laughs> that and uh, when Tick was like, "Did you cheat on my mama?" That was like one of my favorites. I gotta say, uh, the moment so when going off of the episode when uh, uh, the racists were shooting up the house and fucking tick that the the black chigoth or chogoth or yeah. whatever, and the the black one came up to tick and it came up to Letty and he put his hands on his head and I'm like, oh that's so cool. That was so cool. That is badass. That um. Another one of my favorite, excuse me, another one of my favorite moments has to be when uh, Tick uh, surprised Gia with that, uh, the movie, and he's standing oh, yeah. there with that rose, and he just looks so adorable, because he, he has that smile, and he's just standing there like a kid, just opening a Christmas present, just like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, this fucking man is so adorable. This is so adorable. It just warmed my fucking heart, because he's just, he, Tick, I, I told this to Naomi. You lust after William, but you fall in love with Tick. Because it's like you legit are standing there falling in love with the fact that this dude, he's an upstanding dude. He's trying to do everything to protect his family. Yes, his first initial reaction to finding out that his father is gay, it's like, yeah, that is normal. But 
as he's going along and he's being around his father, it's like, look, no matter what happened between us, you're still my father and I still love you. Yeah. Even though you and I got some shit, you're still my father and, and I, I, I still love you. And you're here. That's the part that just warmed my heart. Yeah, I like that too. And that was one of my favorite moments. And then just everything, like... I got two more. Hold on, right off the bat. <laughs> I love Buddy. She was... I'm telling you, she was saving their asses so much. Yes! <laughs> Being on the track team too, really. Yeah, they're like, letting me the passes. <laughs> she most, most athletic. So the episode you love is the museum episode. Mm-hmm. I love the one when... So they're in there and the water happening. Mm-hmm. And mind you, she already saved them from like falling down the... You know, the into the, like, the, the cave. Right, right, right. But also, like, luckily she was the one swimming and everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I like she she told Tay, she was like, can you stop acting like this is only happening to you? You're not the center of the fucking universe. Yes! Because... <laughs> But before they had that scene, Christina ended like, up going with her, and it was like, there's nothing special about see, him. And that's and Christina said it too, don't let the men fool you into thinking that it's always about them. Because that is, I like how they included that, because that is a trope that's in most, like, forms of media. It's like, he's always having to take the brunt. And I like how Letty is able to have a say. It's like, look, no, you are not alone in this. Your decisions affect all of us. Yeah. That's what makes her a strong character. And that's yeah. what makes her a badass woman. So those are a couple of my favorite moments. So what next- was the other what was the other let's see, oh <laughs> when they uh, first get to the Brave Wave like manner and um you know they're they forgot what happened the previous night because Christina did her uh, forgetting spell on Uncle George and Letty. Yeah. And you know, Letty's trying to eat. And she's trying to eat, and like, takes how can you still eat like after all? Like, what happened last time? And yeah, she didn't like. She was like, "Well, it doesn't mean this can't be seasoned." You know, like, oh, don't see that food. That's my little son. Oh my god, that was just funny. And Uncle George's like, "Hey, they're watching Act Natural." <laughs> I, oh, oh, I also, man, I want to talk about Uncle George for a second because Uncle George is only there for two episodes. Man, he made such a big impact though. I was yeah, because so it was like Uncle George legit when they were all because when when Tick was seeing Gia and fighting her, and Uncle George saw Dora and uh uh what was it uh fucking letty uh was having that uh sort of encountering uh tick well it was the fake tick because he was trying to essentially like reaper with the snake penis um and they got out of the and then you see that these people the the order of ancient dawn were actually like just viewing them like they were fucking like circus animals and uncle george is like standing there he's like look whatever you saw in there that was not us they're gonna try and make us crazy. They're gonna try and turn Man, us. He was so smart. That's Man. why I say he was one of the more progressive characters. He's like, we're not crazy. We are more than what they think of us. We are more than what they think of us. They're gonna try and make us to look crazy. Black Panther. Let's show them who we are. Exactly. And man, it man, Uncle George, man, it it just oh, so. But all that being said, you have any more favorite moments or can we move on? We can move on. Okay. So we're going to get into, we're going to get into the G.I.'s inclusion into the show. Bada bing, right in the coattails. I'm just kidding. <laughs> coattails, okay. For those of you who don't know, 
<laughs> we get glimpses of Gia's character every so often in the um, episode, in the show. When we hear him t- uh, take, you know, getting phone calls saying, you're going to die there. Yeah. And then he's like, how do you know? Yeah, yeah. It's Jiha. So, so Jiha actually was a, a Korean nursing student that Atticus had met during his time during the Korean War. In like 1949. Yeah, I want to say. I, I would assume. Or, yeah, she was studying to be a nurse in 1949 is what it was saying. Okay, okay. I think that was like episode six. Okay. So, yeah, it was episode six. Um, so, Jia's, one of the things that she loves the most about um, living in Korea during that time is she likes going to the movies. And she likes watching Julie Gar- Judy Garland movies, it's especially. So awesome. Yeah, because, like, she's... In contrast to the war. Right. So, this is before the war during that time. So, she's, like, she's a very timid girl and... You, socially awkward. Yeah, a little bit. So, then... You, she has this friend. I, I don't know how to pronounce her name. But anyway, she has a friend. She has she a friend. friend. Yeah. Who's also studying to be a nurse. Right. They're friends, and you know, she's living a simple life. Until. The friend is also a communist. No, right? no, I, was, right. I wasn't I was even going to get into that just yet. Oh, okay, okay, never mind. I'm building, I'm building. Build, build. So, Gia was like talking to her mother about like, you know, possibly seeing, finding a man. Like, you know, you got to find a man. You got to restore order to this family. Da, 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 da. Give honor again. Right. That whole thing. So she goes out on, she's trying to like find somebody to date during this whole, like, it's like a meeting, like a meeting that they called it. Where, like speed dating. Yeah. That 50s version. Yeah. So the, version. she's trying to find, but she has no luck. There's no, she, like, she's trying, she's trying to seduce these men. So, nothing works, so she does end up meeting somebody. She goes back to her place, and they start having sex. And then, something weird happens. Can I say? Sure. Tentacles come out of her vagina. Technically, they're not tentacles. Tentacles come out of her vagina. They're not tentacles, they're tails. (laughs) Tails, tentacles come out of her vagina. So... All this weird, all these tentacles. See, now you got me saying it. The tails start coming out of her vagina, her butt, every orifice, even in her eyes. Eyes, nose. Everywhere. So what ends up happening is the dude finishes and all of a sudden this like, all of a sudden all of her memory, all of his memories are being transferred to her. And on top of that as well, he explodes. Literally. <laughs> Literally explodes. He Body parts, blood, everywhere. Everywhere. So then, you find out, oh, her mother knows about it too. And we find out. She's a... Uh, Kumiho? Kumiho. Kumiho. She's a, a fox kumiho. spirit, basically. A nine-tailed fox spirit. I'm very yeah. familiar with a nine-tailed fox See, spirit. See, I thought she was a succubus. Yeah, that's what, what that. Thought. Yeah, so when I first saw it. Here's the thing: it's pretty much the same thing because yeah. you know how it is with certain cultures. I had to look it's, it up. It, yeah, and it's, that is what it is in there in the Korean culture. Yeah, because every culture has the same thing. It's just like, translated differently. And this is me. Yay for being a black nerd. <laughs> yeah, because like in American culture, we're con- she's considered a succubus in Asian culture. And then I, my first introduction introduction to what a kumiho is was in Love, Death, and Robots. 
mm-hmm. off of the show. Um, in the first season, they talk about it, but instead of it being Korean, it was actually Chinese. And it's about this, um, the friendship between a nine-tailed fox spirit and um, uh, this guy. He's the son of this hunter who hunts these spirits. So, and then they kind of delve more into, like, steampunk culture as well. So it's kind of that alternate universe of, like, this girl is losing her powers because we're get, they're getting into more of a steam-powered industrial age. So she can't turn back into a kumiho. So... So what ends up happening, she ends up uh, turning uh, this guy, one of her clients, um, decided to run experiments on her. And from the neck up, she's human. But from the neck down, she's all steam powered uh, machine because he's attracted to machines. So and the only thing also another thing as well, he kept her vagina, but the rest of her body it's just metal and just steam powered. So the guy who's her friend for like her longtime friend because he was like raised to hate her because the whole thing with these spirits is is that they seduce men and then they eat their hearts and their liver. But that's the way they translated into uh, Korean culture. So they just seduce these men and kill them essentially, and that's what. So that's what she needs to do. Jihad needs to kill a hundred men, and then she will. What will be free? Her soul. She'll she'll turn back into a human. Yeah. Because it turns out her mother went to a shaman to turn her into one because her husband at the time was abusing her daughter. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. The mom, Jihad's dad was... No, no. That that wasn't her dad. Oh, the stepdad. Yes. Because he married her mother because she had a daughter out of what... Right. Yeah. Yeah. Messed up. So, that's how he ended up getting... Yeah. Yeah. So, he... So, now, in order for her daughter to go back to normal because her mother sees her only as a monster this like monster this unfeeling monster whose only purpose is to have sex with a hundred men and then kill them and then she'll get her daughter back yeah that's what the mom thinks yeah yeah so Gia's so. kind of like Gia's very much like confused because she's been told this whole entire time you can't feel anything you're a monster you're a monster you're being told she's being told this over and over and over again. So, of course, her self-worth is just totally fractured by this. And then she meets Tick. <laughs> yeah, because she does feel some type of love because her best friend, like, she she loves her friend. Now, I'm not going to lie. There were hints where I I'm she like... she was going to be gay with the Right! Guy. That's what I thought! I was like, is she going to be gay? Yes! Like, because the way, like, ooh, picking up some vibes. Exactly. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Just, you know, it's all fluidity. Right. In the show. Right. So I'm like, huh. huh. <laughs> but they didn't they didn't touch on it. It just Well, looked... well it was because the friend ended up getting killed yes. by some army dudes. And... That was the tick. Tick yeah. killed her. So like it was tick and like some of the other army dudes. So the army dudes, you know, they have the, they were have like, you know, they had a question like which one of you one of you guys are one of you nurses are giving out communist know, information, one of you are a spy. Yeah. So, you know, they, you know, some of the, you know, one, this, the main dude, one of the main army dudes, you know, they're killing them and then they have, bring Tick over to help. Yeah. And then it just so happens that's the moment where Jia and her friend, you know, they're on the ground and Tick shoots her friend. Yes. You know, because she actually was the spy. And then so, you know, Jiha like basically says like, I'm going to get revenge for my friend. And I'm gonna, right. Because I, I, for, you know, I gonna, forgot they didn't actually kill her. 
They just took her away. Yeah, but she knows that's what happens. You know, yeah, so. yeah. So, you know, she wants to at first kill him for, like, revenge against, you know, killing her friend. Yeah. But then she falls in love with him. She yeah. does fall in love with him. Yeah, so one of the aspects of their relationship was that when they first met, Tick was actually a virgin. So he, oh, yeah. Yeah, so when she she starts falling in love with him, but then she's trying to, like, you know, she's trying to... Control her tails. <laughs> So she she's trying to initiate having sex with Tick, but he's kind of a little bit apprehensive because he's inexperienced. So the more they start hanging out and the more they start to get to know each other, she ends up giving up her ideas of revenge and she genuinely falls in love with Tick. And, you know, her mother is like, she's basically telling her mother, like, look, you were wrong. I have examples of me actually finding, like platonic love as well as actual romantic love like you told me I couldn't feel anything you told me that I couldn't like fall in love with anybody or I couldn't love or be capable of love and here's two examples and she was like well you're still gonna kill him anyway it's like there's nothing you can do about it so eventually like she they they do have a moment where they actually do have sex and she doesn't kill him she doesn't kill him so, I think there was another aspect of it where I think they got caught in the heat in the moment, and then all of a sudden, like, uh, she ends up, the tails come out, and, <laughs> yes, the tails come out, the tails come out, and then all of a sudden, like, she is able to look into his memories, and she sees his future rather than everything leading up to his present, and in one of, in, in doing so, she sees that he ends up dying. And Tick being freaked out by the whole thing because he's obviously because he lived. He actually lived. He yeah, had sex grabbed, with her she and lived. She grabbed onto the you know tails tentacles and is like no. Right. Not my man. Are you just like side note? <laughs> hold on, people. Are you just laughing at the fact because the whole aspect of her tails coming out of her vagina—that's the part that's killing you? <laughs> yeah, that's being suspicious. But even when like you know Gia comes back and she's saying it out loud to like. Tink and Letty, like, you know, my tails. And he's like, shh, just please stop. Just stop, stop. stop. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's, that's one aspect of it that's kind of like, what the, what the fuck? So she ends up, like, basically saying you're going to die. And he runs off. He ends up going back to America because, like, she told him. Like, he told her, actually, like, I can rotate out and I can go back home. And he was debating on whether he should go back home or stay in Korea with her. Because to him, there was nothing worth going back to. Like, yes, he loves his Aunt Hippolyta and Dee and his Uncle George. But it's like, I really have nothing to go back to. So I, I, And then, like, he was like, I could stay here with you. So throughout the show, you see that she's able to predict his death. And she even went as far as to go to the shaman that caused her to become a, like, succubus or kumiho. Was like, she was like, don't get involved with mortal matters, whatever's gonna be, gonna be. Simple as that. So she ends up coming to America, too. She ends up coming to America and, like, tries to help out and everything. She meets Letty, and then they have that awkward exchange because Letty never knew that she existed. (laughs) It's like, she never knew that he existed. She was like, what is this little Asian girl doing here? Right. Who the hell are you? I'm pregnant. Who is this? Right. So, yeah, so, man. I gotta say, one of my favorite parts about Jiha was, like, when um, Tick came back, when Tick came and called her up to the Drake Hotel and wanted to apologize, and she's sitting at that bar, 
and that white dude comes up to her and he's like, hey, you're Japanese, right? So the, and then he's trying to goad her. And it's like he's trying to like hit on her and she's like, she's speaking in her native language because obviously to white, well, obviously to that white man, all Asian people look the same apparently to him because he was like, oh, so you don't speak any English at all. And he was like, and she's like, are you willing to die to fuck me? And he was like, <laughs> and he gets up and I'm like, yes, yes. Man. Yeah. I gotta say. But yeah, Gia's character, I gotta say, has... Because the thing I like, and the thing that bring The thing... Because she's not a character in the book. Yeah. Most of most of some stuff in the book is not included in the show. Well, vice versa. Some things that are in the show are not in the book. They only talk about uh, Tick's time in Korea for a short amount of time. And also, they kind of foreshadow it anyway... Because when they're doing that, uh, when they're doing the opening scene, when he's dreaming and he's dealing with these Cthulhu creatures, Jiha is the alien princess. Because that's how the only way he, the only way he's able to like understand what it is she is. Hey, you gotta admit, uh, Jiha came in clutch at the end, though. Hell yeah, yeah. Her, the ass would have been gone. Hell and yeah. Christina would have became her more. But, you know, that shows how smart that white chick was, though. Her mortality spell worked. Mm-hmm. Man. So, she... I feel like it, it was a necessary thing to have Gia involved in the show because it adds to Tick's overall character development. Yeah. The, hard, the sort of thing of, like, you can either choose to be a monster or you can choose to be a hero. Yeah. So, I like that aspect of Gia being involved in the show. All right. So, first... I'm going to talk about, so lastly, actually, I want to talk about, well, as we're getting towards the end, about the aspects, like certain things that were different from the book versus the movie. Oh, oh I can't wait for this. Because yeah. I'm definitely dying to know. Okay, so some of the main differences, I'm not going to go into details about them. We can discuss details about them, but here's a couple of differences uh, from the book. So, one of the major ones, Caleb Braithwaite being, uh, is now Christina Braithwaite. So that was one of the major changes. So these are some spoilers as well. Another one would be, uh, so this next one, Horace Berry is now Diana Freeman. So remember when Tick goes to his father and explains about the book, about the time travel and everything, and Tick's like, um, did you read it? And he's like, yeah, there's some differences, but it's, it's enough details to know that it's our family story. He's like, well, one, Christina's a man. Uh, Uncle George survives Artem, which is true. That, that happens. And yeah, D, or D- Diana is not actually Diana in the book. It's Horace. Diana is actually a boy in the book. So that was. I heard there's another one where Hippolyta, when she's, you know, the multiverse and everything, the first one is actually, a, it trans, uh, sends her to a beach, mm. surprisingly. Well, to be fair, the um, the whole thing with, like, the time travel and everything, that doesn't happen in the book. Oh. Yeah. Why does it say in the book Hippolyta uses it to travel to a white sandy beach where she discovers several people who have been trapped there? That is true. Okay. But the whole time travel aspect... That is not true. Okay, okay. She doesn't. There is because the she does. Episode I really love. Yeah. It, by the way, her time traveling that doesn't exist, but her jumping from worlds to worlds that exists. That's because cool. she's going through different worlds. So they kind of 
That's cool. Yeah. Uh, what was another? So that was another thing. So also another thing about Diana being actually Horus. So they did keep the aspects of Horus's character. So like the fact that Diana is a big like sci-fi fan and she writes comics and novels and comic books and like she's into sci-fi. That was Horus's character. And another big change was in the book the Topsy and Bobsy, the racist character character caricatures. They're actually it's a devil doll instead of like these physical characters. Man, those things were so characters. scary. Yeah. They were so scary. But it's actually a devil doll, so that's what was one thing that they changed. Oh, another uh change was their names. So in the show it is Atticus. They're all of the characters are surnamed Freeman. In the book, it's actually Atticus and Montrose Turner and George and Hippolyta Barry. Mm, okay. Yeah. So they're all, it's actually Barry and not Freeman. Another one, uh, Atticus and Letitia's relationship only happens in the show. Mm. Yeah. In the book, they're just platonic friends and that's it. I like it. that kind of more. I mean, I mean, of course, in certain aspects of like, you know, media and like television and everything, they always have to have the two characters get together because it's the sake of like, really, they're just friends. Yeah. But you know, that's what it is. That's what it is. Another one, uh, the stories, the novels storylines are mixed together. So that was one thing that they kept the look. That was another thing that they kept like straight. Also, I wanted to give a quick, quick shout out. So I ended up finding this article by the bibliophile. It's by uh, Jennifer Marie Lynn, who did the article. So to go into the no the novel storylines are mixed together. In the novel, each of the eight chapters tells one discrete short story. In the book, these narratives are somewhat more intertwined together, presum presumably to bring more cohesion to the 10-episode show. So it's just eight different chapters that are sort of put together by the end of the book. But with this, it's like everything's just mixed together, bringing to one formal con one conclusion. Uh, so even though the book is episodic by nature already, the television show lets the stories flow into each other more. So there's that. Sorry, I was laughing. <laughs> the scene with um, Christina and um, like uh, what's her black girl's name, Ruby and Letty. So uh, you know, Christina walks out. She's going to the car, and uh, Ruby tells her, um, Letty. You need to get your shit together because, uh, obviously, it don't seem like Tick is going to win. And, like, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you need to come come get in this car with me and this white girl. <laughs> right, right. I was just, she was like, you just need to come with us. Like, right. I thought she, that was yeah. funny. I didn't think that was funny. So, another one. Uh, the character of William has an expanded role in the HBO show, and it also turns out to be the transformed version of Christina. Like I already mentioned before, William in the book is actually a servant. He's not Christina's lover, who's now being um, used as a suit, essentially. Right. Uh, another one that is different. Uh, the character of Gia only appears in the HBO show. Mm. So, like I said before, Gia's character only appears in the show and not in the book. Because they only touch on uh, his time in Korea only for like a little bit. So another one that is different, uh, the HBO show offers an amped up version of most of the action scenes in the book. There are new creatures, more elaborate supernatural stuff, and more magic, and likely more other stuff in the HBO show. 
So there is, like, certain aspects of the show that just got amped up. Obviously, because, you know, creative liberties and all. Right. So another one, uh, let's see what they talk about. Uh, Atticus's paternity is not a question in the book. Mm. Yeah, so in the book, Montrose is in gay. He's very straight. And he's actually, Montrose is uh, Atticus's father in the book. No question. There is right. no side story of them being former lovers, Dora and uh, George being lovers, anything of that nature. Also, Montrose and Sammy's relationship is not in the book. Because once again, um, let's see, sadly none of this happens. Mo- instead, Montrose is, a, is straight as far as we know in the book. There mm-hmm. is no okay. like actual information about that. Uh, number 11, George does not die in the book. Oh, George. Yeah, so that was the thing. Uh, let's see, number 12. Hiram's Ori, mechanical model of the solar system, contains the key to the portal into a different world in the HBO show. So this part is notably different from the book, but resembles parts of the plot from the chapter of the book entitled Hippolyta Disturbs the Universe. Mm. So instead of being a portal to a different planet, uh, the book version, because that's what the portal was, in the show, it takes Hippolyta into a different world. She cites the theory of many worlds, so the multiverse idea. And it's one where you are able to become whoever you choose to be. She decides to try out being a showgirl in France, Hippolyta, the Greek myth- mythological fe- figure, uh, herself when George was still alive, and the space-traveling character from her daughter's comic books. The show, ba- the show version, version basically turns this into a journey of self-discovery for Hippolyta. So that's the only aspect of the show. That whole thing was just part of the show. It's not included in the book. Right. Uh, let's see. Also in the book, the room Hippolyta finds both the Ori and the key to the secret observatory that leads to a portal to a different planet at the Winthrop house. But the two are separate things. In the TV show, Hippolyta finds the Ori, which Christina and the others believe to be the key to a time machine. So another one. Uh, the visit to Hiram's vault is similar, but with some notable differences in the book. Yahima does not appear in the book, and Montrose does not kill anyone. Oh. Yeah. So in the book, Caleb, slash Christina, but in the book it's Caleb, uh, his character is the one that forces them to go to Hiram's vault to retrieve the pages. So in the television show, in episode four, Atticus is the one who decides he wants to retrieve the uh, retrieve them in order to have access to spells to defend their family. So in the book, there is a booby trap room, but they are sent. They uh, they essentially are just able to find the pages and leave. So that's what was going on in that. Uh, Han- so in also another one, Hannah does not take the book of names in the book version, and oh. no one, yeah, and no one ever gets the book of uh, uh, no one ever gets their hands on the full book of names in the book. That's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big difference. Yeah, because then it just gives a whole new light to everything that happened. So it's like, so Hannah never really took the books, of, uh, never took the book of names. So she was never the one to create the spell that would stop them from, like, that was able to stop Christina. So that never happened in the book. Also, in the book, Letty isn't pregnant. Oh, yeah, because they're friends. They don't get yeah. together. In the book, Letty isn't pregnant, 
Atticus never enters the portal, and Atticus doesn't have a son. So clearly, he doesn't That's write love really crap. different. That's exactly. so different. See, I feel like the only, the, the part, when I was reading uh, some articles on this, the interesting thing was uh, how they decided to, like, the inclusion of the book was very meta. Because right. that was the first time you've ever seen, like, somebody actually source, like, the actual book in any of your TV series. Like, they actually have a book out written by George Freeman called Lovecraft Country. Yeah, I gotta get that. Yeah. We gotta get the book. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, episode eight begins a pretty significant departure from the book. It borrows from chapter seven, Horace and the Devil Doll, which is about Lancaster's curse and a creature that tries to kill um, Horace's character, a.k.a. Diana's character. Right, right. But the other plot lines in the episode are creations of the show. Atticus and Letty being pregnant, Atticus going into the portal and the whole thing with the Lovecraft Country book being written by their future son. None of this occurs in Matt Ruffs, that's the author of Lovecraft yeah. Country. Uh, Emmett Till, a black boy who was murdered in Chicago, is also not mentioned in the book because they're not correlated with one another. That was also a thing they put in just for the sake of the show, that Diana knew Emmett Till. But in the book, there's no mention of it. Uh, and this is a real-life murder that was fictionalized in the HBO show as uh, Diana's best friend's death. Uh, this episode also includes an entertaining tidbit for people who have read the book. When Atticus describes the Lovecraft Country book that his son one day writes, the differences between the book and what's going on in the television show mirror the differences between uh, Matt Ruff's book versus the show. So that was another thing. So, uh, in the show, the Tulsa riots, or the Tulsa massacre, features more prominently as told through Montrose, Dora, and George's story. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So, in, in one of the standout episodes of the series, episode 9 tells the story of the Tulsa riots. In the show, Montrose, Dora, and George were the only survivors of, in their families of the Tulsa riots. We experience this with them when Montrose, Atticus, and Letty go back in time in order to find the Book of Names. Uh, the Tulsa riots are mentioned, but less prominently in the book. Nor is there a time machine. So, they never go back in time to this. They just only hear about the stories from Montrose, Dora, and George. Okay. So that was another <laughs> aspect. Pretty big, too. Mm-hmm. So Montrose and Atticus go to a house to try... So uh, the closest thing to this episode comes from Chapter 6, The Narrow House. Montrose and Atticus go to a house to try to recover some notebooks belonging to Hiram Winthrop. That's another thing. His name's different. So... Hiram Epstein is actually Hiram Winthrop in the book. Because mm. remember when they were on, when they were, uh, the one of the characters' names was Hor Horatio Winthrop. Yeah. They're related. It's funny because when I was watching the show, I kept thinking, Are they, is Hiram and the Winthrop guy the same person? I'm confused. It, it is. He is. So, uh, discover some notebooks belonging to Hiram Winthrop, and they meet an interracial family who exists in a magical time wrap. The Doom family re re uh, relives an attack by a white mob on their house on repeat. During that interlude, Montrose tells of his experience in living through the, mo in the Tulsa riots. In this version of events, Montrose's father was shot and died during the riots. 
Mm. So they don't touch on it as much as they do. Uh, and also, I think this is the last one, but I could be wrong. The ending of the book and the HBO show are completely different, but functionally the same. Different. Atticus lives in the book. No way. He lives. What? Okay, we gotta be all right. Never. I was gonna be like, tell me what happened. I'll just get the book. Okay, I'm not gonna touch I'm on gonna that. Get the book. But yeah, so it it's pretty much kind of the same. Actually, no, it's completely different. Like they said here, they're completely different, but they still work the same way. So I'm not gonna touch more on that. So um, yeah, I kind of want to tell you, but you need, you need to try to find out. About it. So. Uh, Diana has a much bigger role in the ending of season one of the HBO show than in the book, hinting at what's to come in season two. At least that's what we thought. Yeah, until HBO scrapped it. Yeah. So, that was one thing. And yeah, that was it. Those are a couple of the key differences involved. Big and small. Yeah. Because there, there, there was a lot. And there was a, definitely a lot. There was definitely a lot of, like, people... Yeah, here we go. Here's another one that kind of t- uh this men's health article written by uh Evan Romano. Uh talking about the differences between the book and the movie. Not movie, the book and the TV series. So like one, uh Atticus's fate, you know, the fact that he lives in the book but he dies on the show. Uh Ruby's fate is another one. That was a major change. So this one delves into a little bit more different. So in the book, Ruby actually lives. Holy crap. Yeah. So, in the book, Ruby lives and she continues trying to live, like, as a white woman. See, in the book. Yeah. Yeah. So, another thing, too. Another thing, too, that is different. In the book, Ruby lives. She's actually an introvert and not too much of an extrovert. Okay. She works, like, a day-to-day job. Is she not a singer? No, she's not a singer. Wow. She works, like, an everyday, day-to-day job that she's unjustly fired from. So then, she meets Caleb. Now, they never have a sexual relationship in the book. It's just more like he's, she's there to be, like, he's just using her to get to Letty and Atticus. Right. There's no sexual relationship in this. Because it's just, he's just a patron. And he gives her, like, the spell to make her a white woman. She lives, she tells Caleb to fuck off, and she ends up living as a white woman. Wow. So there's that. So she only has to do the spell once. Yeah, or or I think multiple times, but I'm not sure. But I'd still have to kind of read it wow. just to get a hint of it. But yeah, she's not dead. She's not killed off screen either. Uh, Christina's fate is different. She's not Christina. No, it's Caleb. So Caleb. Caleb's character actually lives in the book. And what does he go on to do? So. So the whole thing about binding white people from magic, that exists. They stop Caleb and all of these different white people from doing magic. Hell yeah. But what happens is they throw him in a car with them and they drop him off in Indiana. <laughs> and he has no powers. Of all places. Yeah. Man, they're like, some people will find you and mess you up over here. Yeah, they just leave him. He's uh, in the book. Caleb's invulnerability is broken and he's technically just stranded and powerless. He can't perform magic. So, that was one of the things. Uh, Shogoth. So, in, obviously, if you don't know, in the, in the TV se- series, uh, they stop Christina. 
They stop any other white people from performing magic. And also, Diana kills Christina. So there's that. Uh, We already talked about Atticus and Letty. uh, Time travel. Yeah, we already talked about this. There was no actual time travel that was going on in the book. Uh, They talk about the meta moment with the show. Uh, They talk about Diana. We already talked about that. Uh, We already talked about Emmett Till. How he's not technically in the... He's not in the book. Yeah. At all, and he's not friends with like Diana in the thing. Uh, they talk about the differences with Christina as well. How Christina was only mostly them changing Christine Caleb into Christina was just to talk about that unspoken bias about her being a white woman instead of being a white man, right? So there was that. So the whole thing, uh, Hippolyta. And the whole, like, her going on this version. Because I think that was another thing that they made up just for the sake of the show. This sort of aspect of her self-discovery and self-worth. So, there's that. It was basically a vignette in the book. Mm-hmm. So, okay. there was that. Um, G.I. in the Korean War. We already talked about that. She's not really an ass. She's not a character in the book. She's. They only talk about uh, Tick's uh, Korean uh, war experience only, like, a little bit. Uh, William. William is not, like, (laughs) William's just a separate character. We already talked about that. Uh, yeah. That's basically it. Side note. So, the travel guide for Blacks that Uncle, Uncle George George had. Guess what? It's actually a real thing. It was called The Negro Motorist Green Book, 1938 to 1963 by Victor H. Green. Yeah. So it was, so the book was assembled by a New York City postal worker as a landmark resource that made travel much more accessible, you know, for, you know, blacks and African Americans. So yeah, yeah, it's cool. Like it was an actual guidebook, you know? Yeah. Cause like also another thing, um, I want to touch on, there's two things actually that I want to touch on. Um, the first thing being that when I was watching the show and they're in the water and all of, they're in that tunnel and Chris and they're in the tunnel and it's in Boston and they're like they're walking through the water and they come across those dead bodies and Letty's like that looks like the dead body of one of my neighbors because remember those three dudes excuse me because that actually happened in the book. Those three dudes oh, break yeah. into the house, oh, and the yeah, house yeah. ends up killing them. Because the house was also, like, control, like you know... Haunted. Haunted by the slaves, too. They're not slaves. No, not slaves. The, the black people. My right, brother, right, right. Experiment, experimented on. Side note, um, with um, Hippolyta, mm-hmm. how she went to, you know, the, the, you know, the parallel dimension or, like, space or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she also became a, like, warrior in one of them. Mm-hmm. So tell me why one of the books that's mentioned in in Lovecraft is A Princess of Mars by Edgar, by Edgar Rice Burroughs. So basically it's about this dude. Either way, his, his spirit leaves his body and he travels to Mars where he becomes a warrior. Okay, so A Princess of Mars by Edgar Rice Burroughs. A young Civil War veteran chased by Indians takes refuge in a mysterious cave and a strange gas paralyzes him. His spirit leaves his body and travels to Mars where he becomes a warrior. Yeah. The, that, 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 <laughs> that was the book that uh, Atticus was reading in the beginning that caused him to have that dream. Because he was bringing it up to that lady because they had to walk to town. 
and he was bringing it up to her and she the thing that really was like why are you reading that for her was the fact that the soldier in question was a confederate soldier right yeah that's the thing and then it um ended up being uh my familiarity with it was because it was the main character's name is john carter and i they did a disney movie about it so that's the only reason why i know about it and it bombed but it was a pretty decent movie i enjoyed it there you go there you go yeah so those were some aspects of uh those are some elements of the book that were very different from the movie any one of them shocked you Atticus lived. Yeah. That's pretty major. <laughs> He's the main character. So, that was the main one, really, for me. That and Uncle George. He actually <laughs> lived. Because I wanted him to live. Man, I've already, I've made my book, my recommended book list, though, from Lovecraft Country. So, yeah, I'm excited. So, one thing I want to talk about, obviously, now we know. It's not coming back with a season two. So <sighs> apparently, Thanks. apparently the show was supposed to come back with like a season two, but halfway and season two, I think was supposed to be called Lovecraft Country Supremacy. Because mm-hmm. I think what they were going to do, because that was one thing that they talked about in the book. In the book, they talk about how they basically stopped Caleb um, and now these other lodges were going to come after them. Because that right. is another thing they talk about. The Freemasons and... Oh yeah, cults. And, Cults, what? Cults. We're not cults. But They're still, not cults. Society, magical like secret society. Secret societies. Yeah, they were yeah. going to talk about that. But because it's Lovecraft, it would have probably dealt with maybe magic. Yeah, because they were going to talk about that. They were they were essentially going to talk about that as far as like, um, they were going to talk about that as far as like it, it concerns with like the lodges. These other white like lodges are supposed to be coming after them and stuff like that. So that's what they were going to talk about with supremacy. And another thing that they, so another two things before we, uh, uh, before I forget, I want to talk about, this was one scene that was like, this took me, this took me off my, I, I sat there in shock while I was watching this happen. The scene where Letty, not Letty, Ruby, the scene where Ruby was watching she was uh, turning back into because she had lost the potion and she was like at that bar because her fellow co-workers, her fellow oh, white yeah. co-workers wanted to go somewhere on the south side to be amongst the black people. Right, right. So they're there. She turns back into Ruby, into her actual form, and she notices that her other black co-worker, Tamara, is being sexually assaulted by their boss. Mm-hmm. And Ruby feeling some type of way about this decides to say hey you know I'm gonna quit because you know I'm very attracted to you because she's in her form she's in her white she's in her Hillary form it's like I'm very attracted to you that's why I can't continue this job and she essentially starts hitting on him so and she's in his office so you know yeah by the way the other black co-worker ended up getting away from the assault. She bit his, she like bit his lip or bit him mm-hmm. and got away. And then, so Ruby's like, all right, bet, dude, I'm going to see you tomorrow at work. And she has something for that ass. <laughs> Literally <laughs> so, and figuratively. So, so this is where, this is the, this is the crazy part. This is the, not crazy, but this is where it gets very, 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 very ready graphic. for some racial revenge fantasy. Exactly. So what ends up happening next is she's flirting with him. She's trying to like basically uh, uh, seduce him. So she it turns because he's a stupid guy. 
he's a stupid horny guy. Mm-hmm. A stupid horny married guy with children. Let us take that in. So she okay, I'ma just I'm gonna just get out right and say it. See she basically seduces him and then she sticks, she puts him on the ground. She continually sticks her stiletto heel. She takes it off and she's ramming it up this dude's ass. Blood galore while he's tied up. While Cardi B's Bodak Yellow plays. Because you know the, the line mm-hmm. in the song is like, these are red bottoms. These are bloody shoes. Yeah. I was rolling. I was rolling. Because and then while she's continuously just anally raping this dude with a stiletto. It'll be like anal sodomized. Yes, so- yes. So- She's sodomizing him with a fucking uh, uh, hey, uh, stiletto. I thought he was going to die. I was like, man, that's a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of blood. Because he, he wasn't prepared. Yeah, he had it coming. He, he, he had it coming. He had it coming. So as yeah, he ran into my stiletto, he ran into my stiletto ten times. Yeah. All my Chicago fans out there. So basically, he's do- she's doing this, and the th- the part of the scene that just I was like a gasp, I was taken <laughs> aback. And then and then what makes it even crazier is that in the back you see the the this man on the screen because they're showing this old movie, and the dude is in the back just like his mouth open, like, oh my god. It was wild, bro. It was wild. <laughs> so, with all that being said, like, the, I, I kind of, uh, that was one aspect. Also, I just remembered it. So, you know how Tick was talking about how he was time traveling, and he was like, there were white people rioting, and this girl, this woman, pushed me back into the doorway and just gave me the book and just pushed me back. And they said, with the robotic arm. Uh, that was D. That was D. That was D. And I'm like, shit. So their family is known for time traveling, because it was like, you're the, you're the, you're the mysterious stranger who helped us out. Because he was swinging that back like Jackie Robinson, and it's like, bro, what is going on with this family? They're just awesome. You know, I thought we love, you know, we love the Crane family. Yeah, we have a second family. We like super now. <laughs> I swear, because it's like. And then they do hint at a couple of aspects where Montrose knows a lot more than he's letting on. Yeah. So that was what was curious to me. Yeah, because all of this stuff going on with Dora's family and everything, because Dora's family is the link to Titus Braithwaite. Right, right. So that was the thing that was like, man, there's some, there's something. I really did like Dora's family though. Like, strong, strong family. Man. Strong family. Sweet family. But yeah, it was the so that's what kind of makes it like that's what like sucks about it not coming back. Now I pose we both at like pose the question like if they do bring it back, you got J.J. Abrams and Jordan Peele right there. They were involved in the show. They could have been showrunners, man. So I'm like, who knows? They might bring it back later on. Who knows? Who knows? But I, I hope great. they do. I really hope they do. It was a really good show. Now that being said, like the importance of Michael K. Williams in the show, like. Now, you could do a thing, you could do something where, like, you know, he obviously passed away, and this is, like, way set in the future, where Atticus's son grows up, and he obviously is raised by Letty and Montrose and everybody involved, and it's, like, you could do that, where he just passes on, because, like, that was his, like, that was his father figure and everything like that. You could do that. I mean, they could also show, like, you know, because, you know, he lost Tick, Mm -hmm. you know, he drank himself 
under, you know. I mean, they could but kill him off still. This, I, I would prefer it if they did a happier ending where he just... Okay. Yeah, because I want to I wanna at least think in my mind that Tick told him, look, you have a shot to Oof. do this right. Maybe they could give him cancer. Could be. Who knows? Some illness. Something. I just prefer if he just passed away recently, they don't delve into it. And yeah. it doesn't involve him like dying some horrible, perishable <laughs> death. As they do, as they do. It's like, come on, let's just have one of our black characters die some normal but death. It's love, just like American Horror Story, it's Lovecraft country. You know, how PG is the death going to be? I mean, come on, it's normal. They can do it. They don't talk about how Dora died. True. I'm just saying. Not everything needs to be wrapped in trauma. They never said that. That's true. They don't need to have everything wrapped in trauma. Come on, guys. The whole season one is trauma. Let's move. Come on. That's what I'm saying. Give us more wizardry for the second one. That's all I'm saying. Secret cults. (laughs) So, I already talked about... I'm not really going to go too much into... Like, I, I wanted to try and get into, like, Lovecraft as a whole. Like, them choosing to call it Lovecraft Country. The only reason they called it that was because there was, like, Lovecraftian, like, characters. Because, obviously, H.P. Lovecraft. So, him as a whole is very interesting, especially when you're talking about him as a person and his views on race, which are very controversial. Depending on how you put... It is very controversial. And The man who was, was scared of also women and squids, right? Yes. <laughs> Yes, he was afraid of a lot of things, but that's another thing. But Sunlight, even, probably. I believe so. <laughs> but, yeah, um, that was another thing. That was, like, interesting to call this, like, Lovecraft, Lovecraft country. When you have these, the whole major characters are all black Americans, and they're essentially the winners in this whole story. And sort of taking on these, like, ideas of black people in black um, literature. And... Like, using Lovecraftian creatures such as Cthulhu, which is his biggest creation and his biggest thing. Also, we did talk about the endings. We did talk. So, going into the endings, I want to read a quote that kind of ties this all together. As far as, like, the book is concerned versus the movie. And you might like this quote. So, this was a quote I found from Tor.com by Tyler Dean. And they're discussing the ending. Um, discussing the ending. So, Ruff's thesis is that the cosmic horror penned by Lovecraft and his ilk holds no power over black people because life under white supremacy is cosmic horror. I like that line. Yeah. Cosmic horror. So, when, um, in, so this is one of them, uh, versus the show versus the novel. In so many ways... Uh, the television series starts where the book ends. And it's not just the change in time period. Ruff's out epilogue is set six years after the main events of the novel in 1955. The year the entirety of the show takes place and the final grim, darkly funny beat at the end of the novel is taken as the entire premise of the show. The final story of Ruff's mosaic novel, The Mark of Cain, more or less maps on to the season fi- season finale uh, full circle. Christina's, Christina Braithwaite's equivalent, Caleb Braithwaite, is cut off from the ability to work magic and thwarted he threatens the Freemans. This is the quote from the book. Mm. It's not over. There are other lodges all over America. They know about you now. 
and they'll be coming for you, but not like I did. They won't think of you as family or even as a person, and they won't leave you alone until they get what they want from you. No matter where you go, you'll never be safe. You. But he had to break off, for suddenly Atticus burst out laughing. They roared laughter. Um. <laughs> exactly. I wasn't asking you to do that, but anyway. Uh, what's so funny? But for a long while, they were laughing too hard to answer. To answer, Oh, Mr. Braithwaite, Atticus said finally, wiping tears from his eyes. What is, it, what is it you're trying to scare me with? You think I don't know what country I live in? I know. We all do. We always have. You're the one who doesn't understand. Facts. So, that's what they were saying. I like that. Yeah, because like essentially that's what Matt Ruff was trying to portray with the book. We're living in white supremacy. That is the cosmic horror. We have to go outside every day and worry about if a cop is going to shoot us or not. Wondering if some white person is just going to like yell some racial epithet at us. Or call the police on us. That's what make. That's what he doesn't under. That's one of the aspects that was like. That is one thing that makes the different endings because I think what the show was representing, the show was representing the prequel to everything that happened, whereas the book was like, oh, the book picks up where the show left off, leading into the future, leading into um. Christ leading to Diana killing Christina, even though that's not what happens in the book. That's what a lot of people were like, because that was one aspect I learned. And that was so disimpassionate too. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, Diana, put some like stank on it, put some like seasoning, like kill that bitch, like. But yeah, yeah, because it, it was because like a lot of people were saying like with the way that it ends, it's not really a happy ending in the end because. D gets killed, uh, Ruby gets killed off screen. You turn D into a killer. Atticus, Ruby, George, and I think, yeah, Atticus dies, Ruby dies, George dies. Just there's a whole lot of death, and D becomes a killer. And Christina, like, dies at the end and of the We don't even know what, like, what's like the future gonna live with. Like, we have, you know, even like with Jihad and Hippolyta. And, um, you know, Diana and Letty, they could have, like, started, like, a boarding house supporting, like, women of color or something. Something that could have been cool, you know? Exactly. Like, but yeah. But yeah, because I know the book kind of dealt, the book definitely delves into the whole aspect of the fact that, like, these characters end up, like... Because not all the black people know magic. I mean, I mean, they are the only ones that can do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it, uh, I don't know. It's just, I, I can see, it, it's another one of the, oh, here we go. This is also from the same article. Green's show, on the other hand, promises a better future at large, but is filled with loss in the immediate. Ruby, George, and Atticus are all dead. D becomes a killer. Letty and Montrose have to raise Tick's son without him. Gia saves the day only by fulfilling her monstrous destiny and killing the man she loves. Yeah, what would have happened with her, like, now that she was free, you know? Yeah, because that's, that's ultimately what ends up happening. That was, like, the last thing she had to do was to kill... 100. Yeah. She lives only due to the fact that she die. he dies at her hands. So, it's... Yeah, it, it's one of those things. Uh, uh, Tyler also goes on to say, I... Well, I don't think this was Tyler D. 
Yeah, it was. But yeah, that was like one of the that was one of the aspects where it's like, okay, you do prefer the book over the the ending cuz in this it's like three of the major characters that we like die. You turn one into a killer and then you turn the other one into like, yeah, she saves the day, but at what cost? So it's right. like like Christina was already probably going to die, you know. Yeah. So it's like he also states like initially I preferred Ruff's ending. I mean, it's not just that his ending is less painful with regard to the characters one has come to love, it's that it leaves the world as it is, mired in the same problems as before. And of course, that's awful. The Freemans are going to be hunted by other lodges. There will still be a need for George and Hippolyta's safe Negro travel guide. There is a part of me that says that that is realism. My favorite speculative fiction novels use generic conventions to address, contextualize, and express despair at the horrors of the real world instead of offering fictional solutions. So, of course, like, either ending is no better, to be honest with you. They're still going to be hunted down. They still need that the, the book. It really doesn't give light to the future, if right. you get what I'm saying. Because right. it's a more realistic ending versus a fictional ending. But all of the characters are still uh, all of the characters are still dealing with some type of trauma. Like Letty never got to say goodbye to her sister. She now has to raise her son as a single mother because her the father of her child is dead. Montrose has to go on living with regret because he still will be faced with the memories of like yeah like I get a second chance but I was still a terrible father. Yeah, when he walked up to you know. Tig's dead body. He's like, "Come on, son, let's get up, let's go." It was like it was you very did, much. It was go. it was very much giving Simba and uh, uh yes, it was very much giving. Come on, Dad, we gotta go home. Mufasa and uh, Simba. Yeah, it was, the Lion King scarred all of us growing up into thinking we're all orphans. <laughs> Kill him. <sighs> but yeah, that's one. Of, that was long live the king. Yeah. That was one of the things I wanted to talk about because I felt like this quote is very very powerful. It's like. Like, life under white supremacy is cosmic horror. It's like, what did D.L. Hughley says? Like, I'm just like, he was like, man, I, I black people don't need adventure. We get adventure just walking outside our damn door. <laughs> like, like, or or that one meme of like, it's uh, it was like during right around Christmas, and it's one with Ice Cube standing outside because it was like from Boys in the Hood. He's like, so. so why would I celebrate? Why would I celebrate? <laughs> celebrate Black Friday? I'm black every Friday. Amen. <laughs> so it's like it's one of those things, but I I, I can understand. But I I don't know. I think I would have preferred this ending more because at least Atticus Same. lives. Like Same. yeah, you still live in the whole thing. You still live like what is it? He said like six years later. So it's like it's like early like. I'm bad at math. See, this is what I'm talking about. I'm bad at math. I'm very bad at math. So, like, I mean, it still would have been no better, but at least it's realistic. Right. So it's like, no, I got that wrong. Hold on, hold on. Well, you know I me. Mean? Math is the only thing I don't know. Yeah, so it's like, it was like 1961. So it was like the early 60s. So at least there's some prevalence of, like, there's some prevalence of this uh, uh, civil rights movement and everything going on, but it's still too. It's still way too way early. off. It's still, it's yeah. still way off, but yeah. still, it's like it's realistic, and I feel like it's not. 
You'll get something from it. I would have to read the book to actually fully delve into Ooh, my feelings on it. I can't it. wait till we read the book. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. That, dude, I have so much stuff to read. I have so much stuff to read. Yeah, let's see. One, two, let's see. How, uh, off of Lovecraft, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I have like eight books to read since us watching it now. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the end of this podcast episode. Any last minute, like, overall, I just want to say the spoilers or no spoilers, I highly recommend watching this so show. Good. I'm just going to warn you, like I said before, the ending was anticlimactic as all hell. But everything else is really great. <laughs> yes, yes, everything despite the ending. And I'm not even going to, I'm going to give the ending like at least a solid 7 out of 10. Yeah. Everything else I'll give like a 10 out of 10 because I liked the inclusions of certain things that they included, like feelings of self-worth and self-discovery. Like there's a very big aspect on self-worth, especially in black, especially being black in America. Right. So I just want to say shout out to that and go read the book, either read the book or if you have read the book, let us know. You can drop like uh, some comments or whatever, or like leave a message. You can leave a message by going into the description and leave me a message if you are so inclined. Tell me how I'm doing. Uh, whichever platform you're listening to on, listening to this show on, uh, you can leave me some reviews, leave some comments, ways I can improve on this because I'm never going to know how to do this better if nobody tells me how to do this better. But don't be a dick about it either. Always learning. Exactly. I'm always learning. I always want to learn stuff. So, that b- being said, uh, you can find me on Twitter at RollMartyrX. That is Roll underscore Martyr underscore X. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Roll underscore Martyr underscore X. Um, I'm also, let's see. Yeah, you can listen to this podcast anywhere. You can listen to it on Google Podcasts. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on Good Pods. I'm on Overcast. I'm on Spotify. I'm, Hell yeah. <laughs> your friend got reach here. Go, best friend. Go, best friend. So, yeah. Go, best friend. Can, that's my best friend. You can listen to this podcast on Anchor as well. Um, so, yeah. Just check me out. Um, I got another. Uh, I got one last episode coming out at the end of this month. I'm going to be talking about a book. Um, it's called... What are you doing here? A black woman's liberation in hard rock and heavy metal culture. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. So it's definitely going to be in my wheelhouse. definitely up over your alley. Yeah. Yeah. So. I like that. Yeah. So with all that being said, my name has been Brittany. This is I'm Carrie. There you go. And uh, yeah, we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.